Giant Monsters Podcast, where the hosts truly believe that we don't know about Godzilla's visual acuity, but his aim is pretty damn good. I'm Rob. I'm Kyle. <laughs> and today, we're talking about Godzilla Returns, yes. the 1996 novel? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was I was like, I was pretty sure, because they, they keep saying G98, or it's, it's 1998, or the title cards throughout most yes. of it, and it kept yes. pinging my brain. Where I was like, did they, did he know? Did they know? Uh, the answer is no, uh, they didn't. But uh, so this is a novel written by Mark Cerasini. Uh, it's the first of the uh, quadrilogy of novels written by Mark oh. Cerasini. Uh, there are four of them. They're all obviously it's all in the same series, all in canon with each other. Um, and uh, this is a book series that I'm ve- I've always been very excited to talk about on this cast at some point um, because it, it it is a really good. I almost want to call it Godzilla fan fiction almost. Uh, it does really feel like someone trying to recreate like an American version of the Heisei films. Yes. Which is hilarious because by 1996, none of the Heisei films other than Biollante have released in America. Correct. Yeah. So it's really, that's why I'll talk more about it, but I have, I have a really good cool history with this book series in a lot of different ways. And I'll go into <laughs> a lot of the ways that I do, but, um, it's but interesting. Yeah, gonna... This and then uh, Trendmasters got the the rights in '97, mm-hmm. so it's very interesting yep. that uh, Toho this, is starting to make their a... surges of of media. Yeah, or, this sorry. was a big media time for Godzilla yeah. in in America. This is why I became a Godzilla fan was because yeah. of all these like kids books. This these books. Then there's uh, there's the the 3D book that I've got to find for us at some point where it's. <laughs> <laughs> Like using the old school like red and blue 3D glasses in a in a, in a little kids book, which is great. Um, we'll have to do like a Godzilla kids book, just like episode. There we go. Whole, yeah, <laughs> just to combine them all into one episode. Um, but uh, but yeah, this 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 is the first of the novels. Like I said, I'm very excited to go into the whole whole series. I'm not going to go much further than just the first novel because there's a lot to talk about with this whole franchise. I mean, we got literally the next mo- the next book. I believe they bring in six Toho monsters, maybe seven outside of Godzilla, all within the same novel, wow. and it somehow works. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. But first, uh, we have. 8, 12, 12, 12, 13. <laughs> it's a lot of news. It's a lot. It's a lot of damn news. I, I, I was watching it kind of build up because we, we were like, oh, we, we can't record this weekend. I was like, okay, that's fine. And yeah. then like we got to like Friday or Thursday. I was like, okay, this is manageable. We've got a manageable number of news. And then just things just kept happening. And yeah. just more and more and more. And I was like, oh, God, here yeah. we go. <laughs> Um, but anyway, let's, let's, let's get this started. Let's go through the news here. So, uh, the first one is going to be very, very short. Um, so, uh, Godzilla foods and 
ultra foods, Ultraman foods, uh, both uh, exist. They're both run by the same company, uh, but they both have very different uh, different foods. Um, they <laughs> we we've talked about the hot sauces from Godzilla in the past. Now Ultraman has his own set of hot sauces. There you go. Um, the uh, Spacium Beam, uh, Balloon Bomb, Alien Invader, uh, Flawless Monster, and uh, Hokkaido's Beast. Um, are the the first run of their hot sauces. They also have their own coffees, the Super Deformed, mm-hmm. um, Monster Gravity, and the Land of Light. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So, okay, Rob and I, Rob, Marissa, and I have a plan to cover the first run of Godzilla <laughs> hot sauces, and we're going to do that next year, 100% officially. Yes. We, we're going to set up, we're going to set it all up. I, 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 Marissa and I have already talked about it. Rob, I haven't talked to you about it, but we're, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have to do two while you're here. I think it's okay. the best way is to get like, to do the same thing that we're doing, oh. but do it one night one and the next one two. Oh, do it. Are we going to do two hot sauce reviews or, oh, are yeah. we, oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. Back to back. Uh, well, I mean, maybe we, it depends how long you can stay. Maybe <laughs> we could put a day in between there or something. But I just think to ha- ha- us all being in the same room, it would be best to try and get two of them done. That That's way we fair. can edit it and get it out. Fair. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, so once again, so Ultra Ultra Foods, I think is what it's called. I think it's just ultrafoods.com uh, started uh, started up their, yeah. their line of foods. Uh, GodzillaFoods.com came out with uh, some barbecue sauces, uh, the ultimate barbecue sauce for Godzilla, and then a Space Godzilla one called the Crystal Spicy Barbecue yeah. Sauce. Oh, this is okay. I was checking out the website, and this is a, it's a limited run, and they did not advertise it. But there is currently at this very moment a Jet Jaguar hot sauce that is a blueberry yeah. and something. I can't remember what the ingredients were, but it sounded a really good, and B is a Jet Jaguar one. So I'm just going to order that one just for there. Me. You go. There you go. Um. So yeah, if you haven't checked them out, they've got some really cool, interesting things. Like uh, you know, like I said, they've got hot sauces, they've got coffees, they've got. Uh, barbecue sauces. They've got uh, rubs, like meat rubs, as well. Uh, they're ju- they're just coming out with all sorts of stuff, and it's hard to keep track of it all. We've talked about them all on the on the podcast at various times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's very very cool. Um, so the next piece of news um, is kind of interesting. Um, okay, so I'm going to start this off by saying it does not give us our actual title for the sequel to Godzilla vs Kong. Yes. But it does maybe give us part of the title, is what I'm thinking. So Godzilla and Kong, a Godzilla romance. And Kong. <laughs> uh? So uh, <laughs> basically, what happened is uh, they finished filming in Queensland. So like the filming is done in Queensland, and so the crew, usually when filming big big movies, will get rap gifts, and a lot of that is just like swag from the movie. Um, sometimes that swag, in this instance, uh, can reveal some stuff about the movie if it does in fact leak. <laughs> um, so all of the crew shirts, hats, various just things have the title as Godzilla and Kong. Now, do I think that's the final title? And no, I, I don't think that's just going to be the final title. It's too similar to Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong. Like people will be talking to be like, did you see the Godzilla and Kong movie? Oh yeah. That came out like two years ago. It's, it's too, it's too close. So I'm postulating that the the working title was or when they were filming was Origins, so I'm thinking it's probably going to be called Godzilla and Kong Origins or Godzilla and Kong 
something longer, maybe battle in the middle earth, battle in the middle earth, in the hollow earth. Yeah. Something like that. Um, battle for earth, just to make a reference to the Hazy era. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but, uh, and some of these I've gotten from our, our patrons who were joking about it whenever we got these shirts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, what a, so so okay so once again it doesn't give us much it's not like it gives us the actual title um i i would kill for uh for this bottle that i'm about to talk about though because this bottle uh has a big old monarch logo on it uh and it's labeled the standard issue hydration unit which is oh. phenomenal uh and the funny little reference here that a lot of people picked up immediately is it's for the hollow earth advanced team uh, oh. A lot of people are pointing out that, hey, is that like a, are they going to be, are they going to call the team Heat in the movie oh. as a reference? Because it's H-E-A-T. Yeah. Good acronym, right? Okay. <laughs> Good little reference. <laughs> um, so yeah, it makes me really want this little water bottle for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so once again, it didn't give us much. Uh, you know, there's another, there's a new graphic of Godzilla and Kong kind of not fighting each other, but kind of like roaring at each other they're about um, to kiss yeah maybe they're about to kiss who knows um but uh yeah so that's that's all that is uh it's it's cool that yeah godzilla and kong might be the title yes there's been a lot of great parodies online as rob joked about of like <laughs> it being a romance uh which i think is just hilarious um but uh yeah anyway um so moving on to the next one uh now this is a very cool little fan project that I was made aware of just randomly, uh, like scrolling through YouTube, um, back, uh, back on November 13th. Uh, so there is a game coming out, uh, called Jurassic Park operations. And this game is a completely made, completely fan made game. Um, and it's being made in the dreams engine. Okay. The dreams game from PlayStation. Um, now you would think like, you think like, oh, well it's being made in dreams. So it's going to be like, you know, just like a fan project. Like it's going to just be like a, you know, somebody made a T-Rex model and they're going to be running. No, this is, this has been in the works for at least two years from what I could gather from the devs who are working on it. Um, and it looks like Jurassic Park. And when I say it looks like Jurassic Park, I mean like it looks like it literally could have had like the T-Rex model is exact, the raptors look exact, the actual like the visitor center looks exactly the, I mean it's 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 a recreation of the visitor center from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like it's it it is as it, the thing about this game that made me excited that made me really want to m- like mention it is that this game looks like the Jurassic Park game that we as fans have wanted for decades because it's a like it's a first person game you're in a fully realized Jurassic Park not Jurassic World Jurassic Park uh including uh basically they have rides is the way I'll put it which are different sections of the game so there is a Jurassic Park River Adventure aka the ride from Universal but done to be a realistic like this is a ride in actual Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, so you're in the boat from Universal, but like you're actually interacting with the world. Like it's actually inside Jurassic Park. Um, nice. There's a uh, first person shooter section with Muldoon in the, in the bush with the Raptors. Uh, there is a uh, 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 attack on the Jeeps 
uh, at the at the at, you know with the Rex. Um, basically, just every scene from Jurassic Park that we've ever imagined, like, hey, that could make a really good game. They're doing it, and they're putting it into a single package called Jurassic Park Operations. Um, the trailer is very easy to find on YouTube. Uh, there's no release date for it yet, but they've said that at least a uh, like a beta slash demo version of some of the sections is going to come out very very soon. Uh, like I said, they've been working on it since you know for at least two years. Uh, so um, so it's, it's actually very close to being uh, completed at this point. Um, now, obviously, the biggest question is. Uh, Universal is not usually one of the types of studios to be like, oh, we're shutting this down. Um, but if this gets too big, that could happen. And I hope it does not, because obviously this is just a, you know, fans putting their love into a project that Universal is too lazy to do. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it never gets shut down. But like, as I said, uh, Jurassic Park Operations is the name of the game. I highly recommend checking out that trailer if you are a Jurassic Park fan. Um, so now, swing back to Godzilla news. <laughs> um, so, the Monarch show, a.k.a. the Godzilla Apple TV show that we don't know a lot about, except we know that po- it's possibly going to take place partially in the 50s. Um, we learned from one of the producers of the show... A, a few few details. Um, so the actual uh, tweet of this was, I've been in and around Vancouver since June working on uh, the Godzilla show wow. uh, for Apple+. Plus. <laughs> That's not our title, but they haven't released the title yet officially. Uh, I co-created it along with Chris Black of Severance and Outcast and have been serving as co-executive producer. I'm not sure what I can and can't share about it yet. It's part of the legendary MonsterVerse world. Godzilla's in it. Here's the key thing. It's 10 episodes. Uh, Max Shockman of WandaVision and Fantastic Four and like a a zillion other different things directed our first two episodes. We're in production now. And I hug Chris, Kurt Russell quite a lot these days. (laughs) Um, So what to take away from this? Number one, the show is going to be 10 episodes long, which lines up with the streaming show uh, these days. That's about right. Uh, and number two, um, this is kind of just infer like inferring from what he's saying. Uh, he is saying that he hugs Kurt Russell a lot these days. Uh, <laughs> we know Kurt Russell is going to be in the show. Uh, however, we did not know actually know how much he's going to be in the show. Uh, so this kind of like maybe teases that he's going to be in the show quite a bit. Uh, maybe he's going to be one of the main characters of the show uh, for a lot of appearances, which is good. A lot, you know, yeah. more Kurt Russell is a good thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, but yeah, so we know the Monarch show is going to be 10 episodes, which is a good thing. Um, we also know uh, from a uh, leaked uh, set photo uh, that some of the show is going to take place in Seattle, which is very interesting because we've known that some of it's going to take place in Tokyo. Some of it's going to take place in San Francisco. So now we have another location that some of the show is going to take place in, which is Seattle. Um, so we will see what that all means as we get closer to its release next year. Um, but continuing on, Rob, <laughs> why don't you take this next piece of news? <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I posted this and I said, I said, God damn it. We're going to have to talk about the metaverse now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, for those of you who don't, remember uh facebook uh has basically gotten in tons and tons and tons and tons of legal trouble recently uh because boy oh boy have they just been truly goofing up on privacy security and also just like 
stoking like uh really really bad radical ideology in like uh foreign countries uh, and causing <laughs> lots of uh lots of fascism by accident and Oops. on purpose it turns out because Oopsies. they literally have a big <laughs> dial that can turn down uh, the, the racism chatter. But it would also mean that some of their most active users, a.k.a. <laughs> old people, would stop looking at Facebook for a little bit. Anyway, yep. after all this news came out, they were like, okay, guys, we got to scramble. Let's completely rebrand ourselves. So they renamed the company Meta. And then to roll out this new name, they started to roll out a project, which is basically VR World, but without furries, called metaverse uh which is to remove any sexuality and any co- possible horniness from this product it you are a floating torso with arms and a head uh so recently they teamed up with who was it it wasn't wendy's was it it was uh uh where did i how long ago did i post about it well, here's the thing. The post that you made, it's gone. <laughs> oh, is it gone? No. Oh, yeah. the link's gone. You're right. The link's dead. It's but yes, dead. it's Wendy's. You it can was see with... it in the little. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, they teamed up with uh, a fast food restaurant. I can't remember exactly. Which. It's Wendy's. Maybe it's, is it Wendy's? Like, oh, it, it is Wendy's. You can okay. see it. You, you can't go to the link that you that you put in the chat. But the picture's but still the there. But the screenshot's there, and it's Wendy's. So. Oh, okay. Perfect. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they teamed up with Wendy's, uh, where you can wander around a Wendy's, like, oh god, yeah, this came out like right before the good news, the two bits <laughs> of good news, yeah, okay, so you can wander around in the metaverse at a Wendy's that has been assailed by a Godzilla. Oh no! And there's a giant Godzilla footprint in the ground, and there's Which like roars off in the distance. But it's nothing a- else has legs <laughs> in the metaverse yep. except for Godzilla because he's Godzilla big enough. Does. Uh, so so then we found out as well that this whole metaverse thing is also uh, a way to launch some uh, some things that we definitely hate on this cast NFTs. Oh yeah, for oh, the yeah. MonsterVerse. Uh, oh, with Godzilla Kong, Mechagodzilla Skullcrawler, Warbat Nazuki, Hellhawk, Scylla, Leafwing, Titanus Doug, and unidentified rock creature. As I NFTs mean, literally, the concept of NFTs seem like something from a Showa, you know, like a Showa <laughs> film where it's like, ah, oh, you can buy in on this imaginary money, and all it takes is burning down one rainforest, and then you can get this in this technology dollar, and you can spin it at my evil factory to buy toys, you know, and like yep. kids are like, yeah, more NFTs, more NFTs, and like it, it just seems. <laughs> it seems like something out of a show a movie, but we are living through quite an era. Yep. <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> it's it it's the villainous plan from a show a movie. Uh, t- a t- d- Mr. Octopus would love NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> so okay yeah so i feel like that's all we need to say about it. it's it yeah godzilla apparently is crossing into the metaverse nobody actually does anything in the metaverse so no. nobody cares uh but uh it is a thing that is happening so we have to talk about it briefly um but what we really want to get to is the next piece of news because holy crap so let me just let me just let me just let, 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 let me walk this through <laughs> let me let me walk through the day i was having I was having a really bad day on Wednesday. I was not having a good day. I was I was in a bad mood literally all day. We went grocery shopping and I was like still in a bad mood. 
and then we were like, you know what? Let's not cook tonight. Let's go get some Freddy's and, and get some, you know, get some burgers and get some ice cream. And so I was sitting there at Freddy's and Marissa was up getting, I think, uh, ketchup and stuff. And I was like, well, let me open up my phone. I haven't opened my, I haven't actually looked on my Twitter in like, I don't know, like a couple hours. And I just instantly, like the first thing in my Twitter feed was this. And of course, just like everybody else on the internet, I was instantly like, oh, well, this is fake. <laughs> this has to be fake. This is, this can't be real. Like we've never heard anything about this. Like there's not, there's not been like, you know what I mean? There's not been rumors about this. This is, this is like, this is just something out of nowhere. Um, and then I start, started seeing that it was actually posted on an official Twitter channel. It was on an official, like, on the Netflix official Twitter. It was everywhere. And I was like, oh, oh, no, this is real. Oh, dear God, this is the biggest news we're going to have for sure. Um, so uh, Gamera is back, baby. Um, Big Turtle Boy is back I... in the ring. Wild. <laughs> Wild. Un unexpected impossible to uh to predict nobody and this, predicted this. <laughs> this by the way was minutes after i sent uh kyle the begrudging <laughs> news about us having to talk about the metaverse uh so wild wild and like <laughs> it was like at first it's you said you sent the we, message we, i was you, like no way okay whatever like you, you and said I it had passed around a, a meme the previous day literally of like of like godzilla uh, Godzilla Kong and Ultraman yeah. all being like, don't worry, buddy. You'll get your day someday. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so so goofy. Because I saw that and I was like, man, chumps. Anyone? That's so sad. Poor Gamera fans. There's no way. And literally the very next day. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you know who called this uh, uh, two years ago? Lisa Novziger. She saw posted that. a tweet as a joke sent, and back in uh, or twenty twenty or early maybe twenty twenty one. I can't remember. Uh, but she was like, <laughs> "Oh, with all this other fake news going around, or like you know, she's commenting on some other trend that was happening." Uh, she was like, "I you know I should have pitched that uh, my my Netflix original for uh, Gamera just got greenlit." Uh, and so she just retweeted that with a picture of her face, just like. Mm. <laughs> She was gifted with prophecy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So Paula strikes again. <laughs> so the show, key thing, show, uh, it's called Gamera Rebirth. It is going to be an anime. Uh, we don't know what studio is working on it yet. Uh, that has not been announced. Um, we do know that this has actually been in production for a very long time. Um, apparently, uh, so I have multiple things about this, uh, like from the history standpoint. So apparently August Ragone, a uh, big guy in the, in the Godzilla community visited Kadokawa about three years ago and saw concept art for this at Kadokawa, but was told oh. he couldn't talk about it. And so he's been sitting uh. on this news being like, I think they're still working on it. I mean, I saw it like three years ago. <laughs> I don't know. And then this news hit, and he was like, "Oh, there it is. That's the that's literally the poster is literally the concept art that he saw." <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this has been being worked on for a while. Katakawa has literally just been sitting on their loins while everybody's been making fun of them, just being like, "Oh, just wait, just you freaking wait." <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny because like, uh, right was was it right after 
King of the Monsters that they were like, oh yeah, one day we'll do something. I re- we yeah. reported yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember, or maybe it was like maybe it was GVK. I don't remember exactly. I but think they... I think it was King of the Monsters. I remember being that far back. Yeah, like, it was it being a, a while ago. ago. But yeah. like the the <laughs> like Katakawa Twitter account or someone at Katakawa was like, don't worry, camera, your day will come too. And the the thought that they literally were just like already working on an anime and they just were like, no. We can't. We can't we tell wait. anyone. We yet. have to wait. Yeah. Uh, um, to the point. This this is also really funny. Where Shusuke Kaneko, aka our, our lovely Heisei uh, Gamera director, as well as GMK, went to Katakawa with a pitch for a Reiwa <laughs> revitalization of Gamera, and he walked in, and they were like, "Let me show you what we've got working on." And he walked into the back, and he saw like all this stuff, and he's like, "Oh, well." Uh, Good luck then. <laughs> um, and it's so it's so funny because having met Kanakawa in per, or uh, uh, Kaneko in person, like he's such a, like a chill, like kind of nervous, kind of nerdy guy. So I can't even imagine like him like storming <laughs> up to Kanakawa with like a like a like a plan for revitalizing Gamera. You know, like that's already weird enough. But then when he walks in and gets told, "Oh no, we're already we're already working on it. It's it's all it's all good. We're good." <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, yeah, once again, so it's an anime series, not movies. It's definitely a series. It has been confirmed, uh, that is going to be, uh, distributed worldwide on Netflix. Uh, now once again, I'm just going to put this out there just so, so people understand how this works. Just like singular point, this does not mean Netflix is making Gamera Rebirth. This means Gamera Rebirth is being distributed by Netflix. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Very, very different thing. This means that there are animation studios in Japan that are working with Katakawa on a Gamera anime, and Netflix is just the one that's releasing it worldwide. Um, I've seen a lot of jokes about, oh, it's going to get canceled after one season or whatever. <laughs> like I've seen all that. And I just I had to point it out because this happens every single time something with Netflix happens. They're just like, no, 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 no. You gotta you gotta <laughs> understand the difference between a distributor and an actual like company that's making it. And Netflix does have their own anime division. So this is not their anime division. Um now I have heard rumors about um possibly the animation studio being um oh god, why can't I think of the name of it? Uh Polygon. Yeah, the, yes. the Godzilla animation. Uh, uh, now, here, here's okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand the hesitation. Uh, however, uh, however, as I said in the Discord chat, as long as the director and the writer Gin Urobuchi is no not anywhere involved in the project, we might still be okay. Because <laughs> Polygon, Polygon has released stuff that has decent animation. In fact, I would argue that the Godzilla se- the movies did not have bad animation per se. It was the execution of the story that was the main problem. Yeah. This, like, so if we have a good director with Polygon doing the animation, it could still be all right, especially as well because the Godzilla movies, for context, the director, Gunnarubuchi, specifically did not want to do Godzilla traditional Godzilla action in his movies. That's why we never got a traditional Godzilla fight in the movies, 
was the director and the writer, not the studio, not the animation studio. So once again, <laughs> if it is Polygon, which we don't know officially, there's not, we know nothing really. We, we got it. We've got like a 10 second teaser here in Gamera's new roar, which sounds awesome by the way. Um, and then we've got uh, a teaser poster, which is the silhouette of a Gamera design, which I'll talk about more in just a second. And then we've got a big close-up of Gamera's new, like, eye. Um, and also we're seeing that this Gamera has a lot of, like, light blue uh, to his, like, silhouette backing, as well as the cracking on his, like, the inside of his shell on his chest. Uh, and his eye itself is also blue. Um, so that's, that seems to be a motif for this camera yeah. specifically. Um, now we, 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 so literally two days after this announcement happened, there was a SH monster arts, uh, kind of expo going on. And there is already a SH monster arts figure based on this camera design that we do not know what it looks like yet. Um, and they were like, we'll, we'll show like some of it at the expo. And we got a, uh, Basically, they did a glass case, uh, like where it's like um, translucent. No, yes, yeah, like it's like it's like you know, like you know those glass showers, you know, when like like the, the glass yeah. stand-up showers and how they have like that that like frosting on them, so you can't quite see what's inside the shower, but you can still see the silhouette, yeah, especially the shape. So that's what they have, and then inside that case, they have the figure as well as a light behind the figure to kind of project its shadow onto the glass case. So we don't, we still don't have a good look at the design, but what we did, what a lot of fans started to pick up on is that this design has a lot of similarities with a certain Gamera project that we thought never got off the ground back from 2015, 2016. When, when did that trailer come out? Oh gosh. Yeah. It must've been, it was, must've been right before I started because yeah, it was already it, out. And I remember you guys talking about it when we did like the Gamera episodes. That was pre me knowing Jack about Gamera. <laughs> yeah. And so the Gamera design looks very similar to, the, to that Gamera that was in that trailer, which is great because that Gamera design was pretty cool looking. Um, obviously, that trailer was live action and we know the series is going to be anime. Yeah. But I think we can kind of get a good generalized silhouette look at it you know with yeah. you know like I mean, from this design you can tell that it's definitely like uh it's a continuation of what we saw with uh the heisei camera that very angular yes. pointy boy uh, definitely a much more buzz saw-y back which is a lot of fun it's like um oh my gosh who were the two were the mutants in secret of the use who is the turtle uh, it was Toka and Razor. Razor, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like if if you gave the ooze to Gamera. Like that's essentially yes. what's happening here. Is he's way yeah. more pointy, way more buzzsawy. He's got like, but yeah. he's got like, you know, like still b the baby blue eyes. Yes. So it's it's interesting that they're going for this much like harsher anime vibe model but then like i'm guessing they're gonna try and continue to ride that line of like gamma being the friend of yes. all humans uh which will be uh interesting to kind of see how they go with that because he's I'm, he's closer to nightmare gamma physically he is yeah he looks <laughs> yeah he definitely looks more like from his angles that we can see in the teaser poster he looks more gamma three gamma than uh 
obviously than the brave camera. Um, so he definitely looks like he had, like you're saying, like he's very angular, very sharp. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah. So I'm very curious to see what tone the anime is going to go for. Obviously we like, once again, we know nothing. Uh, we do know once again, that this has been in production for a very long time. Uh, so this is not like super far out. This is like literally next year, uh, is the release uh time frame sometime in 2023 a lot of a lot of special reports to announce (laughs) in this news section by (laughs) the way just as a heads up (laughs) who boy uh yeah so yeah so that's gonna be sometime next year we're gonna be very very pumped for it obviously uh gamera's you know returning in a big way that's great that's super exciting um and uh yeah i mean once again news came out of nowhere nobody was expecting it nobody was prepared um i I think it kind of all blindsided literally every single fan of kaiju out there um (laughs) so uh good stuff and gamer was trending on twitter too whenever the announcement happened so it was being shared by a lot of people i okay i'm just gonna I don't want to cut you off whenever you say those things, but it's based off of your personal preferences. No, 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 it, no, no. it shows you what's you trending globally. You can, you can change it. It it's still it's still the algorithm bases it a little bit on like well, your even for global well, stuff. So it just is, but I mean okay. I don't want I don't want I don't want to break your heart. <laughs> I'm not you're not breaking my heart, but I mean it's still look you're, it's you're still, right. Camera like, was still trending. It was just trending yes. with kaiju fans, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you can see. Well, the thing is, is when it, when it's trending. Once again, this is if you're actually paying attention to it, which is most people weren't that were re- that were tweeting. Oh, it's trending. No, yeah. but like you can actually not only can you set it to be globally, but you can also like it, it literally says the number of tweets that were yeah. tagged. Oh, with no. Hashtag camera. Lots so of could, people were still tweeting about it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you could see you could see like, oh, there's still like <laughs> 600,000 people tweeting about gamma, yeah, which yeah. never happens. Uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, okay, so what's the next piece of news? Gigan, the Sharp Boy is back. Sharp we boy. thought we thought we were done with him after last week. <laughs> we put, we were like, uh, we tip our hats to you, sir. We're never gonna have to talk about Gigan again. Lo and behold, the very next week, Gigan comes rushing back in. He's he's so, like, I'm not done with the fight. <laughs> so okay, so last week we had the literally the last piece of news we had last time was uh, that we were getting four, count them, four characters in Gigabash from Godzilla. And so we knew Godzilla, and we didn't know the other three. Now we know Godzilla and Gigan. Uh, because basically what they tweeted out, I, I love the subtlety of this of this first tweet, by the way. <laughs> so they tweeted out, I, I, I took a picture of it and sent it into the chat. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, this is just too clever. So they were like, uh, Gormaru found the tweet, and it was like, Breaking the mysterious second disasters landfall ETA imminent. And it's like hashtag Gigabash, blah, 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 hashtag Godzilla, blah, blah, blah. But the the video that they showed was it was just it was just like uh, people talking in Japanese inside of a building. And then it has smash cut to a like a, a diamond, a blue diamond in front of an explosion in the background. I instantly knew as as a Godzilla fan, I was like, oh. I know who this is. It's Gigan because in Gigan's first appearance in Godzilla versus Gigan, when they when they get uh, awakened Gigan and Ghidorah in space, Ghidorah is inside this weird red gym, and Gigan is in a blue diamond. It's the only time Gigan's ever been involved in a blue diamond, so it's a very subtle tweet. Um, and then we got a Gigabash tweet uh, from the official channel uh, a little bit later that same day, where it showed two jets flying over water. And you saw Gigan's silhouette 
go across the top of the water and top of the jets. So yeah. yes, Kaigan nice. is our second character from the Godzilla franchise to join Gigabash. Yeah. He's a great do, choice. Also, we did get a picture of what Godzilla looks like. Yes, we know. I don't know we if know we mentioned is, that in the last episode. I don't I don't know if we did. But yes, he looks um he so he's, he's very bio goji uh, but with like more No, of, he's he's actually Space Goji. He's from Space Godzilla. It's the Space Godzilla goji Oh, design. okay. I, it's not bio goji for once. It's it's very fair. important that it's not bio goji. <laughs> fans fans were very like very pointing that out like it's not it's very much not bio goji because a lot of people that's whenever we learned it was going to be called the heisei goji at this point bio goji yeah (laughs) well a lot of people were worried that it was going to be bio goji because they were like oh did they just take the ps4 games model and just like throw it into gigabash but it's actually no it's it's different it's very different if you look at if you what's i mean very as different as the heisei designs are from each other i suppose is what i should say the heisei designs are very consistent with each other but it is very definitively the one from Space Godzilla. Um, so now I wonder if that means Space Godzilla is going to be one of the other combatants. Hmm. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, the thing that amazes me is that Guy Game was the first of the next ones to be announced. Like, I mean, he's a great choice for the for the brawler, but I just I just I don't know. I expected it to be Ghidorah or somebody like huge to be announced next. You know, like somebody else to ride on the <laughs> Godzilla's here. Well, Ghidorah's here. I mean, like, it makes sense. Gigan just had like those like m- you know movies released. It's, we're in the Gigan month. It kind of makes <laughs> sense to ride the wave of it yeah. as the next thing to be like announced. You know? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, also another thing that we did learn is the DLC has actually been pushed up for all of the Godzilla of monsters uh instead of it coming out december 9th it's coming out a couple days earlier on december 7th um oh. so it's going to be coming a little bit quicker for us uh but uh very good stuff um so moving on to the next piece of news to keep on rolling around is this the other big one yes it is okay so uh, shin ultraman is getting its u.s release officially confirmed uh originally rumored by a uh, uh, early posting on a movie theater website, um, and then confirmed later this week, uh, later that weekend, uh, with an official announcement from Subaraya. So we are getting two days worth of a Fathom events for Shin Ultraman. Uh, not quite the big, you know, Shin Godzilla was in theaters for a couple of weeks over here whenever it came out, but for Shin Ultraman, we're just getting a couple days. So yeah. the first day it's showing up, um, with subs. And the second day is going to be a brand new dub, uh, American English dub for the film. Um, I believe the dates are Jan- yeah January 11th and January 12th are the two days. Um, now, what's weird about those two days, if I remember correctly, is they are in the middle of the freaking week. Um, <laughs> January 11th is a Wednesday and the 12th is a Thursday. Yeah. Um, so for the special report. For the fans interested, yes, all of the cast, or as much of a cast as we can go, will go see it in theaters. Yeah. We will do a special report. However, I would guess we will not get the special report out till that weekend, just because it's in the middle of the week. It's already going to be hard <laughs> enough to move our schedules around to go see it, much yeah. less <clears throat> record right after. Um, so I would imagine we will record it on like Friday, and yeah. I'll get it out to you guys by the 14th on that Saturday. That sounds good. Um, I don't know if that'll be the first episode we release in the new year, but it'll be the second if it's not the first. Uh, well, so. wait. I mean, no, if it's the 14th, we'll definitely have the first episode. Well, we need to figure out what 
January is even. Oh uh, yeah, gosh. I don't even know what January is. Yeah, it's, it's, I need to do some. I need to do some calculations. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do some Ultraman theming. Maybe oh, we should. Maybe we should make an Ultraman month. Yeah, why not? I do. We'll, I we'll, do an Ultra month. We'll, we can figure it out. But anyway, yeah. uh, so yeah, so January 11th, January 12th. Those are the dates, everybody. Everybody's been waiting for the dates for Shin Ultraman. Now we have them. Yeah. Uh, so get excited. Uh, buy your tickets. Go see it. Support the official release. Go, go, like, do everything you can for it, please. Um, like I said, it's not getting its big release like uh, like Shin Godzilla did. Yeah. Um, if we want to see more releases like this, you got to support it. Got to go out <laughs> and do it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't actually add this onto our news listing, but I'll say it here. Uh, this was actually pretty amazing uh, news that I found out. Um, so. Uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, when it released in theaters uh, on November 3rd, uh, grossed $335,000 based on one showing across 727 theaters. And it was ranked number five at the box office that weekend. That's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like that for a one day release of an obscure Godzilla film. Like that's not terrible. Um, Let's get similar numbers, if not bigger, for Shin Ultraman. Let's let's hit this hard, everybody. Um, <laughs> you know, if, especially if you're interested in seeing Shin Kamen Rider that's coming out next year in Japan. There you, you go. You want to see that in America, you got to show the support for this one. Um, all right, moving on. So uh, a few, few last pieces of news. Uh, so uh, first off, uh, G-Rivals, the next Godzilla comic. Uh, as it, they've been doing these G rivals comics, yeah. which is just like one offs where it's like a, you know, a hundred page issue of stuff. At first it was Godzilla just fighting random dudes, but then they started doing something very interesting where they started doing just the other monsters fighting the other monsters. Like, so Godzilla is not even involved in the plot. Um, so this time they're doing Mothra versus Titanosaurus of all people. Um, it's actually, uh, really cool like they've got some really good really awesome covers for it um the story is a mother cocoon is washed ashore near a big city and a team of kaiju specialists had been has been deployed to study it detecting an intruder on its turf titanosaurus surfaces and co- closes in on the cocoon leveling anything in its way um very cool to see titanosaurus getting the spotlight i mean you know it's idw idw's never shied away from giving the other monsters their due uh so i'm not surprised by this yeah um but it's it's just a very cool uh thing that they're doing very cool comic um so get excited for that i think that releases in january as well uh and then uh the next piece of news which is Gridman universe yeah yeah the Gridman movie got its teaser ma- teaser trailer. So this this movie is going to combine uh, SSSSS Gridman and yeah. SSSSS Dinazenon uh, <laughs> together. Uh, obviously, they were already crossed over in their you know in in Dinazenon. Yeah. But this is going to be the actual crossover, bringing yes. in characters from both franchises. Yeah. Yuta's then... crew is back, and we do get to see that at the very least. Um, uh... Megumi and what the what was the boy's name? Oh my gosh! Uh, well, at least the two main the 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 They're girl and the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the girl and the guy are back from uh, Gridman, and for a split second, we do see that uh, Xenon shows up. Uh, so I'm very excited that our our Rexy boy has returned. Right. So uh, it looks like so it looks like it's going to be. So this is the key thing. Apparently, it's not going to be normal Gridman. It's going to be Gridman. Zeta, I believe, is the the grid band that's going to show up. Uh, if you notice in the in the poster, yeah, drop, if you look a, at it. 
he's got like a visor instead of the eyes yeah. that he's got. So it's a little bit of a different design. Uh, and then, of course, Dynarex, as you said, is going to be the yes. one that's crossing over from Dynazenon. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a movie, uh, not, a sh- not a series. So it's yeah. going to be a two-hour affair. Um, but uh, the teaser trailer... Uh, it didn't show. Okay, here's the thing: the teaser trailer, just like all the other teaser trailers for both of the shows, didn't really show a lot of new stuff. <laughs> showed a lot of flashbacks, showed yeah. a lot of stuff from the other shows. Uh, there were a couple new shots of the characters, like especially because you could notice because they were wearing different clothes than yes. what they wore in their original show. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a couple. Uh, you got a shot of the new Gridman and a shot of uh, Dino Rex interacting uh, with uh, with the new Gridman. Yeah. For a split second. <laughs> um, and then we got the two teaser posters, which are even cooler. Because it's a very cool. They did. They had a really cool idea where they had the characters from Dino Xenon in front of Gridman and the characters from Gridman in front of Dino Rex yeah. in the background. Uh, and the posters are also. Uh, did you have, did you see the the tall version of it? I didn't see the tall. Wait, maybe I did. Which one? So so it's just the posters are actually meant to be on top of each other. So the oh. the Gridman poster is actually on top, and then it flows down into oh. the Dino Rex poster. That's cool. Yeah. That's good. So if you look at them, you can kind of see the the two mechs kind of interacting like in the poster itself um but Man, uh, i'm yeah, so, so excited that's, that's gonna come out march 24th i'm assuming in japanese theaters obviously who knows when we'll get it however of course we are very excited to cover that when yes. we do eventually get it um now i didn't want to end on a downer but i really didn't find another way other than to end on this uh now um hey everyone it's future rob here um we're gonna talk about uh uh, the death of uh, uh, the Green Ranger, um, which means we are going to be handling some topics of uh, self-harm. Um, and as I was editing it, I was like, we don't really have like any kind of warning. We just kind of move from one news item to the next. Um, so I just want to come in here and uh, future Rob recording a quick little message as a, a content warning. If you don't want to hear uh, or talk about uh, 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 Jason David Frank and his passing, uh, this would be probably a good chance to click uh, uh, click forward about 20 or so minutes. Uh, you can actually look at the timestamps on the descriptions of the episodes, and you can click just the, the, the discussion section if you want to skip forward. Um, but yeah, um, anyway, I, I'll let past Kyle and I try and fumble through talking about this subject that even now I feel uh, inadequate to discuss or even really like I don't know anyway I just, that's all I just wanted to jump in for that okay bye this is very sad news um so I know you know as 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 a person who grew up in the 90s I feel like I personally was still st- I, and I still am I'm still dealing with the loss of Kevin Conroy uh, as a person who really influenced my life during the nineties growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, he was my Batman. He always will be my Batman. I read comics and it's his voice that I hear in my head. Like, you know, I, I, so it's a, it's a celebrity death that hit very hard. Um, and then this one kind of came out of nowhere and it it didn't hit necessarily as hard as Kevin Conroy, but it, this one blindsided me because of who he meant to um, the, the Power Rangers community. Um, and, I, of course, I'm talking about Jason David Frank, yeah. uh, the person who played Tommy uh, in the Power Rangers, uh, Green Ranger, White Ranger, Red Rangers, Black Ranger, everything that he's ever done in the Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, 
he uh, lost his battle uh, against depression and committed suicide. Um, I guess it was a couple days ago now. Um, it was on Saturday, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's very sad. I mean, he was only 49 years old. Um, you know, uh, he was apparently like one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. He was apparently like, you know, he was very much out there for, you know, pushing the power Rangers franchise to continue as well as just being, it's, you know, just like it's cheerleader from the behind and also just a big, big part of the power Rangers community. And, uh, as I said, you know, wasn't as big of an influence on me, but I mean, he was my favorite power Ranger when I was growing up. And it's very sad that he is gone. Um, and he, uh, like I said, he lost his battle against depression. He, he committed suicide. Um, so, you know, the biggest thing that I want to take, and, and you know, we're, we've already planned Rob, Rob Cameron and I were already talking about doing a power Rangers month next year. Yeah. Uh, for to, the, to, I mean, you know, yeah. Initially like the excitement was it's like the 30th anniversary or something. Something like uh, it's one of the big anniversaries. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. you know, we, we really we wanted to do the Green Ranger arc and now yeah. I, I mean we're definitely going to still do it it's for still, sure. Yeah, but it's it's um, definitely got a different tone to it now. So uh, yeah. 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 Um but uh you know, all I'll say is, you know, uh make sure to talk to people, man. That's uh, you know, um, well, I mean it's also like I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, you know, it, it, um, it's when it, you know, it's, this happens when like your life circumstances outstrip your ability to cope. And I think that coping is a thing where you have to develop mechanisms and it's not just like, you know, calling in and checking on people. It's also checking in on yourself. I mean, no, that's yeah. yeah, One of the things that and I'm not saying like it's you know a responsibility kind of thing, but what's you know something that's important is to uh, you know the takeaway isn't just like you know call your friends and it's not I mean no like, no 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 I, that's, that's not what I meant that's no I no no I'm sorry no and I'm not saying that like what you're saying yeah. is wrong I just saw this kind of, this conversation happening online and a lot of people have kind of like wondered like what do you say when someone takes their own life and what is like kind of like you know how do you um, you know, wh- what do you do next? And I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I thought about that a lot. I, I kind of, you know, <laughs> was made to think about that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that's very important is to be aware of, uh, you know, Reagan really avoided dealing with himself a lot. Uh, and he found a variety of ways to not deal with himself. And I think that he he rejected any kind of like reflection if he saw the the dark you know side of the mirror, yeah. And you know, I mean, it is just like finding you know coping tools. It is finding like those little bits of mental health and mental success that you can in your life regularly, even if you are in a good spot or if you're in just like a kind of downer mood, because the thing is, it's a spiral. You know, yeah. uh, yes. and it, it just, it, it's a voice that gets loud. And I mean, you know, I feel like most of the members of this cast have dealt with that feeling mm-hmm. at some point or another. Um, and I think that we've been lucky enough that we have 
you know, the coping mechanisms and the support networks available to us to maneuver outside of that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It sucks. It doesn't, there's no, I, I kept yeah. thinking about it. Like, I, you know, it took me months to even like make, uh, like, I, <laughs> I wanted to do something. I wanted to say something and I couldn't find like any meaningful words. And that's yeah. because it, it doesn't like, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, well, the pain's over. And it's not, it's not. The pain no. just moves. It just goes to someone else. Yeah. It moves to, it just goes family, to other people's shoulders. Is... Yeah. Because yeah. then you, you get into these spots. I mean, I, you know, I did the yeah. very unhealthy thing of reading old text messages and I was like, did I do enough? Right. Right. And it, because it, you know, I don't know. So this, sucks. it's, I just feel it, bad. It's, I, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I know. know what you're trying to get at. It's, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to put it all together because yeah. I mean, you know, it's it, especially, especially in this case, because it's, it's, it's a, you know, a celebrity in, in you know, it's, it's not yeah. someone we have. He's not it's, like it, a friend, but it's the, the, right. Yeah. The the it's, act itself just carries now this just like this tidal wave of feelings for me, you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly, I, it's not the same thing in any way, shape, or form. But it, it, I felt I was more impacted by the first one, but it, it feels the same way that I felt about Robin Williams's suicide. Hmm. Um, where, like Robin Williams's suicide, actually, it, it definitely hit me harder than this one, but. I think that it, it kind of had the same echoes of these people were fighting a lot of pain that we never got to see because we have the disconnect with them because they were celebrities. They're not pe- people in our personal life. Yeah. Like I feel like with a lot of people that, you know, the people that I've, I've known that in my, in my personal life that have committed suicide or, uh, hearing, you know, like you talk about um, your situation, it, 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 yeah, there, there's more of that personal connection to it, which therefore makes it a, like, like you said, like, that's when you start wondering, did I do enough? Did I, yeah. Versus when it's a celebrity, it's not a, did I do no. enough? It's more of a, but it, but it's, I not, wish things were different. different you know? Yeah. It's, it's not a different, it's not it's that a different, different feeling, feeling, but there's not a, yeah. The, it's, no. it's kind of that same thing though. It's kind of that same, like, yeah. I wish I had known they were going through so much pain so that someone could have helped them, even if it wasn't me. Yeah, but because because yeah. with him with with yeah with apparently with with Jason David Frank like he he got divorced his wife took the kids his wife was suing him for the house and yeah. the money and and like and he was already having battles with depression before that stuff happened yeah. so like it was kind of like you know once it's one of those like I hate to say it but it is one of those things of like after a person has passed and you start to see the tapestry, you know what I mean? You start to see the, yeah, the connecting tissues of what led to what, even if you don't have a personal connection with them, you can st- kind of start to, especially for people, like I said, everybody on this cast has had run-ins with those kind of feelings at least. And like, yeah. I can definitely see how the tapestry formed for him. And yeah. it's just sad that, he had either he didn't have anyone or he, you know, he was in that spiral so deep that he couldn't even reach out. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, I mean, 
the like two days before I was still chatting with Reagan, you know, we we made plans, you know, and I, uh, that felt like that was, you know, that that was enough. So I don't know. This, this whole thing just bums me out, man. Thinking about it just, it's yeah. Once again, I I just, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want this. Obviously we've got a book to cover. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of the good things, a lot of fun stuff to say about this book, but, uh, obviously like, you know, power Rangers, it definitely influenced, I think, everyone on this podcast life yeah. in one way or another, um, and the loss of the loss of a giant in that space could not go unsaid. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I said, um, you know, we will we will definitely, you know, we were planning on doing it next year anyway, but now it's going to be especially different and a little bit more of an honoring him kind of a situation. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, just. Uh, you know, if you if I, I guess what I'll say is, if you do know someone who is going through, if like if you know, I guess you know, like I, I'm not talking about like the people that yeah, I, like they don't share enough that you don't know they're going through depression. I'm talking about if you know someone that has gone through a history of depression, like I I, I will just tell you to reach out. I, I know it's stereotypical, but I, I honestly reach out to them. Just to letting you know they're thinking about them, even if it doesn't do anything, you know, even if they're just like, why are you talking to me? We haven't talked in years. That's just my personal opinion, because I just I don't know. It's it's a it's a rough thing to go through. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I can't even imagine what his family is going through, especially his 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 daughter who looked up to him a lot. So I don't know what else to say, but I will say. Um, you know, like I said, uh, just, uh, <clears throat> hopefully this year is done taking people from us, I guess is what I will say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I'll end on, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, anyway, we're going to take a break after that little, <laughs> little bit of sadness. Yeah. Uh, gonna get ourselves refreshed, come back, ready to talk about this book. Uh, get get into some uh, some '90s extreme action. Sounds uh, good. Talk talk to to talk about this book. So, uh, <laughs> Rob, take us into the break. All right. Uh, after these messages, we'll be right back. And we are back to talk about Godzilla uh, Returns. Godzilla Returns. I wanted to say the, and then I was like, the what? No, hold on. That's <laughs> no, okay. it's, no, there's no the. There's no the. <laughs> uh, no, yes. Godzilla Returns by Mark Saracini. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay. As I said in the intro, uh, this is the start of a four book series that was originally going to be five books, but then random house closed before the fifth book could come out. Um, rip. Yep. Rip. Uh, so, (laughs) um, this is a series that I have a lot of memories in my childhood too. Uh, and I will definitely be going into a lot of those. Um, it is also the series that I have talked about in the past on this podcast that I was originally like being a nerdy 
uh, high school kid wanting to make film. This was the book series that I wanted to make into my films. Uh, so I have a lot of uh, fun anecdotes of things I was going to change to maybe update the story to be a little bit more interesting, spe- specifically in the last fifth, Rob. I don't know. If, you know, if, you know that might be something we might want to talk about. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But as it stands, though, I think it's a really solid book. So I'm very excited to talk about it. I'm very excited to go through it. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So going through the plot. uh, So this book starts off uh, in 1996 Mm -hmm. uh, with a reawakened Godzilla attacking a nuclear submarine. Uh, Russian nuclear submarine, very specifically, uh, very similar to G85. Uh, I'm going to reference a lot of Godzilla movies while I'm talking about the plot because this book is very referential without being direct references, if that makes any sort of sense. Like, it doesn't copy the scenes yeah. exactly. It just kind of uses them as kind of like jumping off points to kind of like, as you said, uh, I think before we started recording, kind of Americanize <laughs> Yes. Like make make it more like an American it, action movie. It definitely, I guess is what I would yeah. say. One yeah. of the things you'll consistently note is that this does feel like, um, as much as like we Americanized like you know fifty four, uh, when it came out here, this feels like taking the, uh, Heisei series, which was only uh, for Americans one deep. We were we yeah, uh, two two movies eighty four yeah. or eighty five and Biolante. Yeah, that's all uh, we got. <laughs> I talked about it actually, weirdly enough, in the Trendmasters episode, the release schedule, um, or the the episode we just did right before this. So uh-huh. yeah, like we we were sitting at just at Biolante at this point. So yes. while posters and images uh, from yes. the rest of the Heisei era had been leaking out. Yeah, uh, so we had books like the Godzilla Compendium that came yeah. out that had great breakdowns of the rest of the Heisei era. But as far as like general uh, general Americans had not seen or like known much about anything beyond Biollante, other than yeah. just like with Treadmasters is a good example, like with seeing Space Godzilla for the first time, like being like, oh, what is that? Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 pretty much what we had. Uh, or Mecha King Ghidorah for for another good example. Um, so, once again, uh, Russian uh, nuclear submarine, uh, Godzilla attacks it and absorbs its radiation, and it's the first big inciting moment uh, to bring Godzilla back to the world since 1954. Uh, we are then introduced to our main character, Brian Shimura, as he arrives in Japan as a intern at INN, the International News Network. Uh, he immediately meets his, uh, uh, his roommate, uh, Nick Gordon. Uh, we will talk about all these characters in a character section later because there's a lot to talk about with them. Uh, Nick is kind of a, kind of a character, uh, I would say. Yeah. Uh, he kind of drags Brian to uh, kind of like the red light district in Tokyo, they go out on a night on the town. They have a, a weird night uh, that we will probably talk about at some point <laughs> at this episode. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then so then we cut to um, the uh, the next attack, which is very reminiscent of uh, uh, both the opening of G54 and also, of course, the uh, original uh, thing Godzilla is based off of, which is the Lucky Dragon number five incident, uh, with a, uh, sh- a boat shipping, uh, fun- funny enough, uh, old, I say old TVs at the time, current TVs, but old TVs as far as we are, cathode ray tube TVs uh, yeah. across uh, across the Pacific. 
Um, it gets attacked by Godzilla. A uh, couple of very good moments in there that I will probably mention at some point later on as well. Uh, but this is the first of many ship disappearances that are happening kind of in the background as we're setting up our main character plot. Uh, so Brian and Nick, uh, they go to INN the next day. Uh, we learn uh, kind of the setup of the the news network with uh, the uh, Perry White uh, of the news network, Everett P. Endicott the third uh and uh may mcgovern his assistant as well as yoshi the cameraman yeah uh and we will we will once again go into specifics of their characters as we go along uh it looks like uh brian at this point is just going to be sent down to do the normal things that an intern would do when he first gets there is do the mail room and yep. doing fact checking and whatever we also learn that for pepe sylvia <laughs> we learned that uh, Nick uh, is kind of notorious for being kind of bullheaded and trying to always be uh, on top of the story, even though he's just an intern. Uh, but he also is he has a story that was immediately turned down by Everett B. Endicott that he's very uh, obsessed over because it's very strange that they turned him down, which is the sea base one uh, story, uh, a big research facility underneath the ocean that just basically shut down and packed up for no reason. And nobody knows why. Uh, so uh, then we get our big actual like first moment of Godzilla being known to the world where Godzilla attacks the Pusan ferry between Korea and Japan Uh Godzilla does not completely decimate the the vessel. He actually leaves quite a few survivors. Yeah. Um, for a very funny reason, which is that he was he was he was napping, Ooh. and the boat just kind of ran into him, and he was like, "Oh, what the, what the hell?" <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, Nick or well, Brian and Yoshi are the next day are brought into Everett's office, um, and then. Uh, it's found out that the original reporter that they were going to assign to it, that is a more veteran reporter, uh, his son was on that vessel when it got taken down. He survived, but he was on the vessel. So, the, of course, that reporter is going to go check on his son. So they bring in Nick Gordon as a replacement and much uh, a replacement that none of it, nobody wants in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, then they are told that the news blackout, uh, including the Sea Base One story, is because it is all related to Godzilla's return. Uh, they basically a scientist and uh, uh, some people in the deep of the military have been kind of expecting this return to happen at this point. Uh, at so basically, they were expecting Godzilla to return at some point. They just didn't know when. Uh, so they've been studying like the little that they knew about Godzilla from his attack in 1954, which is canon in this book universe. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, trying to kind of like find out what he is. So uh, not turns just, out, by the way, not just 54 is canon. The specifically well, the American release. Steve, yeah, Steve Martin is <laughs> canon as well, which I think is a great addition to a universe. Uh, which I'll have more to say on my my bringing that in later on. Uh, but anyway, uh, so okay, so we find out Godzilla is returning. Uh, the whole the whole cast and crew find out. Uh, essentially, uh, the scientist, the lead scientist, studying Godzilla all, over all this time, and. Uh, Brian's uncle, which is the only reason why Brian is in this situation, uh, gets comes into the office. They explain what's going on. They say that there's going to be an attack on Godzilla in two days. Um, that is going to happen, even though the UN and nobody has officially approved it outside of uh, like, you know, in the background without 
the public knowing. Um, INN has a exclusive because of the scientist, uh, because he is uh, he is uh, he was working for the ISS, which is the the actual parent company of INN, the Interpretive News Network. Yeah. Anyway. It's plot that you don't actually. I, I, I just wanted to specify that that's why INN has the exclusive of all this stuff, other than the nepotism of getting Brian to go along with the event. Yeah. Um, so uh, they find out some more details about uh, Godzilla. We get some good uh, build up of plot before we get our big first action sequence with Godzilla, um, where uh, we learn, yeah, as you said, Steve Martin is canon. He mm-hmm. was there, he wrote a book. Uh, the 1956 movie is canon as well. The, the movie was made. There was also a big documentary made on Godzilla, the, the original attack. Uh, we also learned the number of casualties and the, the amount of destruction from G54, which I always thought was a really nice touch. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so we go, we head to a, a research ve- or a old Navy vessel that has been turned into a research vessel with basically a giant harpoon gun attached to the front of it. Um, it's a it's a hydrofoil, which means it can move very very fast. Uh, for people that have watched the uh, Godzilla the animated series, that's the same thing that the heat uh, ship was, where it can like skim up onto the top of the water and it makes it go faster. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, we learned that the the plan is is that the military attack is hopefully going to take out Godzilla. Although neither the scientist nor the the admiral, the Brian's uncle, thinks that it's actually going to happen. It's going to do anything. We also meet uh, another character, which is Emiko, the the second military person who yes has a uh, relationship with Yoshi, but we'll talk about characters again her, later on. Her skirt is just too gosh dang short. Too gosh dang short. Uh, we'll talk about that as well in a second. Um, anyway, so we get our big first moment, uh, big first action moment, which is the attack at sea. Uh, Godzilla, uh, gets attacked by jets first. It does not work. Then he gets attacked by the Navy. That doesn't work either. Uh, the research vessel swoops in, uh, with a really great moment to try and get, uh, data from Godzilla. Basically they attach a, a, uh, fiber optic cable to the end of a harpoon to get biometric data on Godzilla. If it, if it actually can implant in Godzilla's, you know, back. Yeah. Um, so they, they do that. They, they, uh, they get the, the harpoon in after a, a, a sequence that I will probably talk about in favorite moments. Uh, or one of us will, <laughs> uh, and then uh, we find out some more really interesting information about Godzilla. We find out some, uh, you know, we see, Godzilla's regeneration work and how it works, uh, which is awesome. Very, very cool, very descriptive moment in the book. Uh, We learn that, uh, yeah, they basically are like, Godzilla's going to make landfall and he's going to go after the reactors because while he is fine and strong and he absorbed enough radiation from the, 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 the nuclear submarine in 1996, he still is not at full, like, cohesive, like, power to be self-sufficient yet. Yeah. Uh, however, that very quickly changes. Uh, as a few days later, Godzilla makes landfall in a great uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms reference scene. Um, and uh, Godzilla immediately attacks a couple reactors, gets way stronger. Uh, the team is split up. Brian goes to the UN to cover their uh, debate on what to do about Godzilla. Uh, Nick and Yoshi and Emiko go out to a uh, basically the the <laughs> the uh, Godzilla's going through the like where they 
make all their cars. Uh, the, what's what's what would you call that? The the it's not a shipyard, but it's a manufacturing manufacturing district. district. Yeah, basically. Um, so he's just like completely decimating Japan's economy as he's kind of just walking. Up. He he makes landfall and then kind of just walks up like yeah. towards Tokyo. So he, he makes landfall in the south of Japan and just kind of continues making you know walking through japan and just yeah. destroying everything in his path <laughs> um so uh they they go off to the manufacturing plant there's a big missile attack that happens uh they survive but it's a very close call um godzilla of course is unimpressed uh by said missile attack yeah uh they the military decides to try and make one big final stand at a giant at the bridge that connects uh the i one of the, the the southern island of Japan to the mainland of Japan. Yeah. Um. I, I'll I'll look up the name of it. I think it's the <laughs> Seto Ohashi Bridge. Uh. Something like that. But anyway. Um. It's a big, great, another big action sequence. Is uh, one of the more effective in the in the in the book because of a very specific moment that I will bring up in my favorite moments. Um. Uh, and then uh, Godzilla goes to water. He goes under the water and disappears for a little bit. And of course, we all know that where this is heading. All the main cast reconnect. Uh, the people that survived the missile attack and Brian meet up at the bridge area. They go back to INN. Uh, INN's basically like, hey, we're, uh, you know, you guys have been through a lot. Uh, we're going to go ahead and sign your paychecks and send you home. <laughs> uh, and uh, probably the only good decision they made in the book. Uh, but, uh of course, Godzilla immediately attacks that same night. They're about to get sent home. Brian and Nick are like, "No, we need to use this to, uh, to our chance as our chance to make our big break." They go off on their own into the city as Godzilla is making landfall. Uh, Godzilla, of course, uh, starts doing all his destruction of Tokyo, including attacking Tokyo Tower at one point, uh, almost killing Yoshi, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, we get a very reminiscent of G85 sequence where the scientist and the military officer uh, basically decide, hey, Godzilla's just like a bird, right? Let's make a thing that lures Godzilla away. And they yes. attach to a biplane and they fly away in the biplane and the biplane attracts Godzilla's attention. And he just kind of goes, okay. And he just kind of walks away into the, into the ocean. And then the biplane runs out of fuel and crashes and Godzilla swims to the I bottom mean, of the ocean following it. Boy, you cleaned up that ending a lot because <laughs> literally it's like they're like, here's our plan. We're going to make this bird call device. And then a hundred pages. Later, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much later. of other people doing stuff. And then it kind of cuts back to them at one point And they're like, anyway, it's time for us to do our plan. And then it cuts back to Nick again. Yep. Nick and Brian still doing stuff. And it then yep. then the epilogue is literally like, and then their plane crashed. The end. <laughs> is I even, and by the way, so like it's supposed to be like a noble, honorable sacrifice, but they like they were alive when they crashed that plane. Yeah. So they're there's sorry. That maybe that final thoughts? Like, uh it's not final it's, thoughts. It's not a least it's favorite. Thoughts. It's not it's a least thoughts. favorite moment. It's not a least favorite it's, moment, but it's kind of my least favorite moment. We'll I'll Okay. Talk about well, in that we'll, case, we'll, we'll save it. So we'll get there. Okay. Um, so, uh, boy, so basically boy. you have, you have, a, this novel is very much just a reintroduction of Godzilla. the yes. best way to put it. It's a, let's introduce a new version of Godzilla. That's very reminiscent of Heisei, but has its yeah. own quirks. He yeah. has his own characterizations that I, I I'm excited to talk about in care in uh, monster design. Uh, but, 
it's it's basically just kind of essentially exactly what G85 did with the Godzilla franchise, like yeah. trying to reintroduce a more serious Godzilla. And for for uh, 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 you know for general audience like like me, you know, like kid <laughs> me, this was like Bible of what I want my Godzilla to be. Yeah. Uh, but we'll 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 get to there. Um. So let's go through the characters. So okay. uh, Rob, I'll give you a character and you try and describe them. Okay. For most of them, I'm gonna, tr- I'll I'm gonna try my best. Them. I'll help you with some of them. Okay, thank Brian you. Brian Shimura, main character. Brian Shimura is the main character. Uh, he is uh, he is a um, son of a Japanese man who grew up in uh, America. I don't know if it was San Francisco specifically, but it was in America. And I think then, they do say San Francisco at one point. I thought it was California reason. generally, and I thought it was San Francisco specifically. Yep. Might be wrong. Uh, but his... oh, because he has the surfboard. Yes, he has the surfboard. Surf yeah. Shimura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, after uh, the tragic loss of his mother, uh, and being generally like a like a science weeb and athlete, uh, who wants to be also a newsboy, he wants he... to be a sportscaster. Specifically. Yes, sorry. Uh, so he decides to move to Japan, where all the good sportscasting is. Uh, and also, it just so happens that his uh, his uncle is a famous military boy over there. That's right. The reason that his uh, his mom met his dad is because his dad was in the Korean War, and then somehow I, they, I, they don't they don't go full. Okay, here's the thing: they don't. These characters are very base level characters to Fair. a certain extent. They don't go into their backstories a lot, even our main characters, except for like vague, like yeah, very, very hand washy. So I might be yeah. filling in some gaps with my assumptions, <laughs> but uh, essentially, he's here with his tragic backstory and uh, slowly falls in love with uh, one of the like news gals named. Uh, it was a Kim? no, not Kim. It, no? He doesn't. No, Is that no, Nick? That's... That's Nick. Did I get Nick and him confused? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, so anyway, uh, uh, he is in Japan, and he's trying to work his way up to be a number one newsboy. Uh, yes. And so he's trying to get the, the hot scoop. And thank goodness his uncle is in on the, the ground floor of all the cool action. So, yeah. So one of the biggest things with Brian is, is that he's – so he's got the tragic backstory. So originally he was supposed to be in Tokyo – uh, or not Tokyo, Tokyo, but in Japan for the uh, Olympics. Yes, is when he was going to intern. But then his mother died, which yeah. is a tragic backstory. And then, so now he's here, kind of just at this point, just here, just to be like, I'm, re- I'm rediscovering my roots, yeah. kind of thing. Like I'm discovering the, fo- you know, where my dad grew up, kind of a thought, kind of an idea. Or where his mom um, grew up, because no, it's his dad. It's his dad. Was it? Yeah, it's his dad. His mom is the is the person who's not Japanese. Oh. Yeah, his uncle Maxwell is his, uh, his mom's uh, brother. Okay, well, yeah, sorry, because because that's because that's why he was so like apologetic about not making it to the funeral. Yeah, because okay. it was his it was his sister's funeral that he didn't make it to. Okay, so yeah, um, but anyway, uh, so that's why he's there. He's kind of there to rediscover his roots. Um, he's a little bit of a fish out of water kind of an idea. Like he's yeah. very American. He and Nick are both very American, but Nick has been there for longer. So Nick kind of knows the lay of the land a little bit. Yeah. So Brian is kind of that, like, even though he looks Japanese, he's very much that like way in for the audience. Yeah. I would say to kind of like un- start understanding Japanese like culture in the nineties. <laughs> Japanese culture from the point of view of like a, a dude who I don't think knew much about, 
a 19 year old. Um, so yeah, and so he's he's our main character ish yeah. in this novel. Um, I mean it it passes between him and Nick a lot. Yeah, he's I mean he's the one that he's the one that has the most of the internal dialogue yeah. and yes. stuff. Like it's usually following his thoughts. Yeah, but Nick it does jump to Nick every once in a while. Um, and I mean it jumps to a lot of different. Uh, Mark Cercini does that a lot in all of his novels. Where yeah. He has a main character, but he jumps into the storyline of a bunch of different characters it's, at a lot of different it's times. It's first-person omniscient, but the first person yes. changes quite regularly. Sometimes, sometimes multiple sometimes times within works. a chapter, which yes. made it, for me, because, right. you know... I, I, sometimes it works. When it's between different <laughs> chapters, I think it works. Like, if it's like chapter one is Brian, now chapter, it's Well, yeah, he, ha- he even has yeah. chapter headers. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's like a date and a timestamp. And if you just like date timestamp person and you just followed that person, yeah. infinitely better structure. And it would have followed it way better. When we, when we get to the Tokyo stuff, it, it bounces a little ooh, bit. Ooh, it bounces way too much in the Tokyo <laughs> stuff. It bounces we'll, we'll get there. to random pilots. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So um, moving on to Nick Gordon, our second main character. Yeah. Uh, Nick Gordon. He's our cool, suave, horny boy. Uh, he doesn't care about. Oh, he's he's super above all this dumb newsroom stuff, except for his crush, a girl named Kim Erica May. May, That's it. May May McGovern. May McGovern. Uh, Big old crush on her. Uh, He uh, I'm trying to think of like how to characterize him, but he's he's the he's the cool guy. I mean, essentially, he's he's just he's too cool for school or to care about what he's doing. He thinks he is the coolest person in the room at all times. Yes. He thinks he is the only one that is right. In yes. The room. He is always the one that's like, oh, only my thing matters. You know, like he's the honestly, he's the anime protagonist. He's very much that like, yeah. you know, like brash, like it's me, Nick Gordon, <laughs> the coolest INN reporter. Like he's very much that character. Um I mean, honestly, even carrying the anime to the to the like all the weird sexualization well, stuff fair. that we get that's at the true. beginning of the book. Yeah, um, uh, he's got a uh, he has a whole alpha male speech at one point towards the early on, where it's like uh, some American uh, soldier guy is hitting on a, a schoolgirl in no, a so bar. It's, yeah, so it's it's a group of women at a bar. Yeah, and they're wearing a, very short skirts. Yes, j- spot the fetish. Uh, the Japanese sailor, uh, there's a Japanese salary man that comes up to try and uh, talk to the women. Yeah. But then a, an American sailor guy comes up and like pushes him aside and is like, hey, uh, I'm American. I'm big and tough. And then yeah. she goes with a salary man. Yes. Because you need to defend the race is what he kind of <laughs> says well, there. He, he doesn't well, say- he- He's, he's not going for that, I don't think. No, I think he's going, you know, he's but, trying to make it be like, oh, you know, you uh, def- defend the. But I was like, if I was reading that, I was like, oh boy, I really hope this does not become the whole yeah, theme. It doesn't. Fortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, it's no, just no. that Nick is an absolute weirdo and tries <laughs> to make a documentary about like normal humans, uh, yeah. and decides to. It's some it's it's some weird Orientalism happening, and I'm not sure what like what the context of it's it's it, because it doesn't keep happening. That's okay. That's my biggest thing, and I know this is final thoughtsy, and I know we're in the characters, but <laughs> that's the biggest thing with this first novel that I feel like he he definitely gets better at later on. And I mean, Mark Saracen, you know, I, I I like a lot of his other books outside of this franchise, but hmm. um, 
I think in this first novel, I feel like he wrote the first part of the book not knowing how long the book was allowed to be. Yes. And then he was told how long the book was allowed to be. And he was like, oh, fuck. And had I, to like yes. re like he had to like oh Add, god flesh I got... out flesh out no 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 the other way around I really think he fleshed out too much at the beginning oh and then like they told him like oh you only have seventy pages left in your book that you're allowed to have and he was like uh because I <laughs> felt like the, the pacing the of the first stuff... half is so much better than the second the no la- it's that's what I'm saying it's better because the Tokyo stuff they had to rush everything oh, into three yeah. chapters I guess that makes sense yeah they were like. Oh, the whole Tokyo attack? You got three chapters. It's you got, weird. You got 50 pages. It's like, weird. I, I don't know how to describe it because the later half of the book feels like a slog. It yes. feels like it's taking way longer. But that's because everything is at such a frantic, harried yes. pace. It's wild. Yes. We literally moved from action scene to action scene. But we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Nick Brash. We know who he is. Yeah. Let's move on to Yoshi, the cameraman. Yoshi, cameraman. Uh, uh, I, I, he doesn't I have a lot of bad. Like he didn't. Yeah. Like I don't. I like I remember. Yeah. You know, he's the best cameraman. That he's the best cameraman. He's so good at being a cameraman. And he's, he's the new. He's the new. He's the new guy. He's the new cameraman. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but like I don't know what in, uh, like in context makes him so good at being a cameraman because they don't really go into descriptions about that. He's, it's like, yeah. he's it's like he's gutsy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, they kind of imply it with the with the action scene on the on the ship because yeah. he's like on top of the ship, yeah. like, hammering down at, at Brian doing his thing. So like it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think he's just like he's, he'll do whatever he needs to to get the shot. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, but yeah, so he he and Nick are friends friends um i think nick considers them friends but uh, yoshi's just like i mean i guess i'll hang out with this sure, guy okay yeah um he forms a relationship with one of the other characters we're gonna talk about a little bit later with emiko yeah um uh he just it is it's kind of a weird like i don't know i thought it was it, it, the, the when i read it this time i actually thought it was more natural than i used to think yeah because i think it's really interesting because they have their moment like on the ship when they first meet and then i think it's really funny because like after after the godzilla attack on the ship there's a moment where brian and nick are joking with each other and emiko and him walk by and i think i always missed that like that they're just like already hanging out together oh. like while they're on the ship mm. and so like it's not like because what I what I remember it from back in the day, I remember it being like after the missile attack, suddenly, oh, there are a couple now. Yeah. They... Like, Wait, what? But like, no, they hint at it earlier. Like, oh, there's, okay. there's a couple of moments where they're together when I, f- no one I else guess is. I felt uh, to be fair. I also missed that because I thought it was just kind of like, I guess we're I guess it's just that they were they it was they're just a couple. It's just a background anime thing. Yeah. Like it's in the back of my head, I was like, yeah. yeah, it's just Gundam. There's two yeah. million characters. Half of them have. <laughs> enough dialogue to flesh them out and absolutely yeah no, uh, he's, they just have a romance now he's not a main character in any way shape or form he's just he, he is there and he is a character in the book yeah um he he does not come back in any of the other novels okay. uh well, he gets mentioned but he doesn't yeah. come back um brian and brian and nick both come back at different points but but uh yeah no he never he never comes back yeah. um then we have, um, I guess we'll do May, May McGovern. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a cute damsel in distress. Uh, I feel well, like what he was going for was uh, Lois Lane, 
but I feel like she didn't have enough scenes to be like a a gumshoe detective or like a like a well yeah. like a buy her own bootstraps detect like uh, not detective <laughs> news reporter she, you know I think she barely passes the, the what is it the Bechtel test Bechtel is that test. it <laughs> I think she barely passes it like she because she has because that's her whole the whole character her whole point of her character is that she is trying to become a career person. Like yeah. she's, that's the only reason why she took the job to be the assistant of Everett yeah. is because she's trying to have a career. It's not like she's, it's not like she's becoming the assistant. Like, no, she's actually like, I did this to further my career. Yeah. And Nick doesn't understand that, which is what caused their divide in their relationship. Yeah. But like, but also she's just a damsel <laughs> at the end of the book. So it's kind of yeah. like, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, um, and also most of her lines of dialogue are just like angry chiding. Of Nick. Exactly. That, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm kind of like, I feel like there was something that they, that he wanted to do there with that character, but it, it comes across more as just like, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, she'll learn her lesson to love this dude, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, it, no, it, I agree. Yeah. It's, I, it's very I feel off. like her, she wasn't like the, basically everyone outside of like, uh, Honestly, like the, the characters who have the least amount of development, so like the people on the Busan, the people on um, uh, the Dragon, and the people in the Russian sub, they have such like very quick character development that he has to pack in a lot just with like their ticks and how they behave. And then he has 200 other characters that have to just kind of be like hand waved. Yeah. And then Nick and Brian get lots of character development. And then everyone yeah. that kind of is in their orbit is like kind of vaguely defined by the character. Yes. I will say, I think it works in the context of the novel for the most part. I yeah. just think that like, if you're looking at it as like trying to have, like here's like, I'm like imagining I, I think this is a movie it, as I read it. So in exactly. my head, I'm kind of like, and I'm imagining it as a 90s action movie fair. in my head as I read fair, it. Fair. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, not in the way that we were talking about like Godzilla versus Griffin with all the weird shit in that script. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking of it in the pacing of that. Like, And I think a lot in the 90s, especially in action movies, it was kind of that way. You had your two central characters, and then you had the characters that are around them that have yeah. vague like characterization, but nothing like definitive yeah like that you could really describe and i think that's kind of the same way it is in this first novel um it's better in the second book the the second book has a lot more focus when it comes to the characterizations of a lot of their main characters but that's future us um (laughs) let's see so we got may okay so everett p endicott i kind of already described him he is literally the perry perry white or (laughs) j jonah jameson he's he's i mean the book literally describes him as such to give us an idea of who he is yes and that he lives up to exactly that when we meet him he is very much that like head of the news organization kind of character i mean kind of like at least towards the end you know he stops being like a sniveling jerk at the very very end is like we've got the best camera crew around you know like he gives he, that one rousing speech at the very, yeah. very, very, very end after he does literally like sobbing and crying over like, and I guess they all just died, you know. Oh boy, I have, I have thoughts about that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, um, no, I yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, yeah, I I think he just fits that archetype, and that's who yeah. he is. We we do meet his. I don't know if we meet him. I think we meet his son in a in a later book. Oh. That's that's taken over the company, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think he's the fourth. Everett P. Endicott, the fourth. <laughs> but um, 
Anyway, uh, then let's move on to the two, uh, our two, well, I wouldn't say science bros, but military bro and science bro. So uh, Uncle Maxwell, the Admiral. Um, so the Admiral is, uh, is very, like, uh, very honorable. Uh, it's our Bushido sacrifice that we must make. No, uh, that's the scientist. Is that well? They both say it at the well, end. They are. It's weird. They, do. they both but, yeah. lean into that archetype at the very end. Their their dynamic is cute. I like the like kind yeah. of begrudging scientist man and tough stern uh, soldier. Admiral. Yeah, <laughs> soldier man. Uh, but like, yeah, I I I, I outside was imagined- of. I always oh. imagine like Kevin Costner as as uh, Maxwell. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they are uh, well. Yeah, he's he's just the the tough, cool uncle that uh, is kind of like basically like his security clearance g- uh, drags Brian into yeah. all kinds of cra- including going to the UN and like being boots on the ground with dealing with Godzilla, including like. Yeah, like uh, all the harpoon stuff. Like literally, there's so many things where, like, because <laughs> his uncle happens to be like a yeah a big stern tough military the, man. The, alt, the alternate intro for this episode was, was nepotism can lead to trauma. Yes, because like literally the nepotism of dragging his 19 year old intern <laughs> nephew. Into this whole event is just like, come on, I'm going to get you a a good, a good scoop. Like it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, uh, But yeah, he's a, he's a big, stern, tough military man. He uh, fought in the Korean war and he's, I, Uh, the biggest thing to know with him is his relationship to the next character, which is Dr. Nomayama. Yes. Because see, I liked their dynamic, which is their dynamic, which is very like, like I said, they're almost science bros because even though he's a military man, he trusts that Nobuyama is correct when Nobuyama's like, nothing we do against Godzilla is going to work. Yeah. Well, it's, and he's like, it's, it's action not dad and scientist dad. It is. It's very much. Yeah. Which it's, is it's a couple. From what, it works. Yeah, it's the Megalon couple, except <laughs> it's like written by Americans instead of like a, you know, like uh, a Showa era, like seventies cocaine fueled writing binge, you know? <laughs> Uh, so instead it was fueled by a nineties, uh, I don't know, cigarette binge, I guess, cigarettes and coffee. So, <laughs> so Dr. Nobuyama is the next character and he's, yeah. he's very much Dr. Yamane from the original G54. Like yeah. he's very much that the scientist that knows, like, you know how Yamane like really gave that like weight to everything. Like he always felt like he was burdened by the knowledge of what was yes. going to happen. Yeah. I, you get that same feeling no, from Nobuyama. Nobuyama knows nothing we do is going to work. He knows about Godzilla's regeneration, like yeah. especially once they prove it. And he's just like, <laughs> yep. Okay. Either we just, either we disintegrate him or <laughs> nothing like that's it. Yeah. Um, and even then, like, I love also how the novel, like when he brings up the disintegration by nukes, he's just kind of also even then, like not even quite sure. He's just like, I mean, uh, I mean, can. that might work, <laughs> but no, but it's the same kind of level that Yamane, like the, the performance that, uh, we got from G54 from Yamane of that, like scientist that's burdened by that knowledge of, 
you know, number one, should we do anything? Number two, can we do anything? No, like, okay. Um, And so, yeah, so once again, like him, him and Maxwell have a really good uh, repertoire with each other, even though they're not given a lot of time, honestly. Um, I really always liked their, like we're saying, like action dad, science dad, like they have a really good, like back and forth with each other. Um, You can tell that they've worked together for a long time. Uh, and that's why they, they kind of get each other. Um, and then the last character we have is, uh, Emiko, uh, uh, who is the, uh, the, uh, military woman, which, okay, here's the thing. She doesn't have a lot of character, but got a short skirt. She does have a short skirt. First of all, once again, spot the fetish, (laughs) uh, two, I do find it really funny that this book was almost ahead of its time in the Godzilla franchise with the the millennium franchise, like obsessed with like female military, like main character. Like, yeah, in a weird way, like somehow like this book, like predicted, like I've always found that really interesting. Like (laughs) how did that happen? Uh, but like she gets some, she gets some really good moments to shine during the missile attack. Even though the missile attack is one of my least favorite action scenes in the book. Um, I think that her leading them in the in the the military in the area where she's all already prepared everything like yeah. she's got the rental car to get away she's got the you know like all that stuff like that was fun uh, with her character um, yeah. and I do I do like her and Yoshi having like this like kind of background relationship even though like yeah we don't get a lot from it's it cute. Um, it's under it's underbaked uh, yeah so it just is like no they just there it's just here um, <laughs> she does come back. Uh, okay. Once, uh, and that's where we get a reference to Yoshi, because uh, they're still in a relationship. Like on book, in book three, I believe is when she comes back. Um, so we we get a brief we get a brief moment with her again later on to kind of catch up with what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say a cameo, I would suppose. <laughs> uh, but um, honestly, that's most of the characters. Everybody else is kind of a side character. Uh, we have some. Uh, some other uh, pertinent uh, uh, reporters like uh, Max Hulse, aka Lax Pulse, according to Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then we have uh, uh, Blackthorn, who is the other science correspondent, who is the one whose son was on the the ferry. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Who we don't get a lot of time with either of them, but they, they are kind of characters that kind of come in every once in a while yeah. to be there. Uh, Max Max Pulse specifically, uh, or Max Hulse specifically. Uh, is the guy who is in Tokyo Tower yeah. when it gets destroyed when Yoshi almost gets killed? Yeah. Um, so that that's that's kind of important to kind of put together. Um, so yeah, he he serves. If you remember in G fifty four when uh, the tower gets destroyed, there's that one reporter that's oh, yes. report, reporting up to the end before it gets destroyed. Yeah, and that's that's what Max Holst's uh, uh, character does uh, is like reporting until he gets killed. Yeah. Um, it's a varying effect on the book. Uh, <laughs> um, so, okay. So moving on to monster design, obviously it's a novel. We don't have a lot to go on, but we do have some characterization with Godzilla. That a lot I think of letters. Is, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think, I think there's some characterization with him and then we can also talk about like how his regeneration works. Yeah, uh, I do like, the, like that. This is, I mean, it's Wolverine. It's Wolverine Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, And one of the things I really appreciate about that is, like, for the longest time, Godzilla's been, like, one of his key powers. He's got regeneration. Oh, we've his G-cells, they regenerate, you know, (laughs) all this other stuff. Oh, the regeneration. Um, 
but very rarely do we see it outside of the context of, well, in this scene, we uh, set the suit on fire and like the shoulder piece got damaged. But in the next cut, uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, the suit was fine. Yeah. Very rarely have we seen Godzilla regenerate or stitch back together or like honestly, have a wound and like it's heal. It's very rare for Godzilla. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I honestly, like, like, we saw it with Orga in Godzilla 2000. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. But not with Godzilla. We saw it with Orga, though. Yeah. Not, you know, and that was a replicant of Godzilla's regeneration. Yeah. So it was actually slower than Godzilla's regeneration, to be yeah. fair. So, like, yeah, so that's that's I mean that scene always stuck out for me in this book because it's 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 a really quick moment. It's honestly it's like you know like two paragraphs. Yeah, but it's just a really quick moment where they took foot like during the first during the the the, the attack at the in the in the navy in the water, they took footage of Godzilla getting blasted in the lower neck, and so they took it and like when they first play the footage, you see like smoke and nothing like yeah. nothing happens. But then they slow it down to microseconds. Yeah. And you see the shell hit. You see the wound there. Yeah. Like blood and everything. Like, And then the next microsecond, the smoke moves away and the wound is already healed. Yeah. And I thought I, – I've always – that blew my mind when I read this when I was a kid. I was like – that explains everything. Like it's literally that fucking fast. Yeah. Like, Godzilla regenerates that fast. That's why it's impossible to do him that damage. Like yeah. missiles or anything like that. Like you can't like, unless you know what I mean? Like there's no way to repeatedly hit him that quickly. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just always thought that was really fascinating. Um, one of the things I always was really impressed with this book um, was uh, speaking of the regeneration and being impacted with damage uh, is throughout these novels, they do a really good job of making it where Godzilla is not being wounded yeah. by missiles and tank shit, tank, 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 tank shit, tank hits. <laughs> sorry. Ah, there we go. Uh, but he is still reacting to the impact of the weapon. Does that make sense? Where like, yeah, get hit. And the book will describe him reeling back. Yeah, he gets as he gets injured. Hit. I mean, he gets hurt, right? Which is fun because you know, I like, I like Godzilla to interact with his environment. You know, yes, yeah. <laughs> it just, it just like I that always has really impacted me because I I don't think we've really ever seen that even to this day, even with the monsterverse, where he's like gotten injured and he's actually reacted to it. Yeah. Like, even if it's not like something that's mortally wounded him, I'm saying just like a missile hit, yeah. like it's still a concussive force impacting his skin. Like he should still reel back a little bit. Yeah. But the the whole point of Godzilla is that he reels back and then he instantly turns yeah. back towards it to go after it. Cause and it I think, hurt him and now he's mad. <laughs> now he's pissed. Yeah. And I think this book does a really good job of doing that at a lot of different points, like across the entire uh, book like e- every time like he has an interaction with the military like there's always this moment like in the missile attack even when he gets knocked down by yeah. the missiles there's that moment where like he gets knocked down and everybody's like oh my god he's down <laughs> and then he immediately fires yep. his beam in the air randomly because yeah. he's so angry he's like ah! <laughs> then he stands yeah. back up and they're like oh and he starts storming towards where the missile came from so I, I just love that that's a big characterization with this Godzilla is that he he takes the impact. It does hurt him. And we we have that moment with his regeneration where we see that it does actually physically yeah. hurt him. Just like Wolverine. Wolverine gets hurt. Yes. It yeah. just doesn't 
stay hurt. It like, just that doesn't stick. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he didn't still feel the pain of yeah the impact, which and the explains wound. why Godzilla is pissed all the time at all times. all the time. <laughs> um, something with this design that I've always really appreciated, and I definitely know this came from Biogoji because I talked about it when we watched Biogoji back in the day. Uh, they they describe that Godzilla's uh, the plates on his back when he like shakes himself that they'll clatter together yeah. um, and make like a noise. And I always really appreciated that. Cause you remember in Biolante when he gets pulled down into the lake by, by, uh, by the rose form the first time. And then he comes back out of the water and he's kind of just like shaking the water out of him off of him. And the plates are just kind of like moving back and forth and kind of clattering into each other. Like I, I, I always like thought like that should make a noise a, and B, I, I like that they're pliable, like that they actually yeah. can move, because I think um, we've talked we talked about this in, when uh, King of the Monsters came out, when Ghidorah wraps himself around uh, MonsterVerse Goji, and like the the plates start bending, like it's very unclear, like because Godzilla his plates don't move other than yeah. that scene, so like did Ghidorah break the plate like <laughs> when it pulled it, or like can they move? So I like that this this establishes very early on that they, they move. They move. They're they, flexible, they, yeah. Or they're, at least they're, they're a little connected bit. to a cartilaginous part of Godzilla's yeah, body. Yeah, to and where not... he can shift it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also appreciate uh, the little bit of biology that we get. I like they talk about the the, the organ and how. Uh, like the nuclear, the nuclear yeah. reactor, the the, li- the living nuclear reactor in his chest, and that like it also like the w- one of the lines that stuck with me is that they talk about how as he gets angrier, the more the reactor works, yeah, and that's what causes the ability for him to expel <laughs> the energy. So I, I was like, that makes I mean that makes sense with his characterization, right? Like he yeah. gets pissed. And the more angry he gets, the more likely he is to use his breath weapon because he can expel that excess energy yeah. that he has. Um, so that's just cool. Uh, they also uh, full on acknowledge that this Godzilla is very much uh, the Heisei Ghidorah origin where they show a picture of a dinosaur on an island in the yeah. Philippines during World War II. Yes. That they're like, this has got to be Godzilla. There's no way it couldn't be anything else. Um that's really cool. Once again, this book came out without us seeing that movie. So this is technically the inter- introduction of that idea <laughs> for American audiences. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just really like one of the things I always appreciated about this series, um, which is going to be funny with the story I have to tell later. No, oh. <laughs> is I like that they took a novel to tell us the characterization of this Godzilla and how he acts Yeah, without him fighting anything else. Like they gave us a whole novel of Godzilla by himself to really establish this is who he is. This is what he does. This is how his powers work. This yeah. is how this works. Let's move on. And then in the next book, they don't have to do that yeah. because they've already done it in this book. So now they can go into all the other Toho monsters of, Oh, now we have Ghidorah. Now we have Rodan. <laughs> now we have Mothra. Now we have, Kamakris, you know, like, okay, like, let's go into their stuff. Like, we don't need to go into Godzilla's because we've established who Godzilla is. We don't need to talk about yeah. that anymore. Um, so I like that the the the, the Random House gave Mark Saracini the, the, the levity to just be like, start it how you want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, 
other than that, like like we were saying, obviously, um, the biggest reason why we know it's Heisei Godzilla, by the way, is, of course, the amazing cover art by uh, yes. Bob Eggleton, uh, which I just have to throw out there because he's going to be the image that we have. Um, but uh, Bob Eggleton draws the covers for all of the novels. Um, so we get amazing cover art for every single one of these novels that comes out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, this one specifically just very much definitively shows a, uh, Biogoji kind of Heisei design. And so that's what yeah. is in our head. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, all right. So here we are. Favorite, least favorite moments. I say we start with favorite. Okay. And then go to least favorite. And I want to go. I want to go second okay. in favorite, and I want to go first in least favorite. Okay, because well, I have a seg. I have a segue. Okay. Well, I have two. I have two. Um, okay. One's more just like a bit, and it's how we started this episode. Uh, there is, and it's, and the reason is I like it because you don't see this weirdly in a lot of Toho movies, where we cut to the inside of a a jet like flying around that's firing at Godzilla. And Godzilla retorts with a, an atomic blast. And he, the pilot, barely dodges it and flies out past him. Uh, and then, obviously, delivers the joke about, like, oh, I don't know about Godzilla's visual acuity, but his aim is pretty damn good. Very <laughs> funny line. But also, it's neat to see, like, pilots inside of a ship in, like, the, you know, like, context of, like, a, a Heisei. Obviously, in the anime, we get like the characters whipping and dipping around Godzilla's I don't know, like kneecap well, over and over again. But I think it doesn't it's, I think feel it's, as impactful. Well, I think it's also different. I think it's one of the good examples of him jumping into a different character and it working, right? Because yeah. it's like because these aren't main characters. This isn't Brian in yeah, a jet. This it's, is a, it's a random pilot <laughs> that's in a yeah. Well, they build so, up to it. That's the thing is you build up from uh, one of your characters. I don't remember which character it was, but someone is watching it. And then you cut to the pilot doing the action and then yeah. it fails and then the pilot dips away and it's like, oh, and then you cut back to the general being like, oh, my gosh, like, uh oh, yeah, uh, which is good. It works. There's a yeah. there's a, a rhythm there where you build back up, forth. you establish and then deliver on uh, my other proper favorite moment is the whole like Russian submarine sequence. The intro of this book sets it up for such a like i mean honestly the writing in it is so tight and so just building on this dread of like you know you kind of start off with like this guy and he's like writing down his report he's like i can't wait to go back home uh to russia even though things are really bad uh financially i just can't wait to go see my family what's that giant school of fish doing why is it chasing us? Why is it so much faster than us? Oh, my God. Why is the school of fish able to grab our sh submarine and shake <laughs> us around? Oh, my God. And it's just like the the tension and dread is oh, built yeah. up in such a, a way that it doesn't feel like when I read Nemesis, one of the things I didn't like about that is it feels like it was written by someone who was bullied. <laughs> Like it, it feels like very edgelordy where like the whole point yeah. is like, and they're suffering and they get all banged up where the, the, the like pain and trauma of this experience is really just the tail. It's the end. Some, you know, he gets banged up against the thing and then he, you know, like hits his head on a console and he's still alive and he's like all of his like, you know, comrades are very professional and he's like, send out the long range distress signal, do this, do that. And like they're following procedure um, and then it cuts to, and then the submarine was crushed by a giant Godzilla hand. So like it, 
the tension and dread leading up to the moment of the, like, you kind of know it's like, they're not going to beat Godzilla. They're not going to escape this, but it's very interesting. This slow kind of like methodical pace he takes. And it's so well crafted that honestly, the first, like, I don't know, pair, a few paragraphs, whatever, like the first few pages of this novel are crafted excellently. So excellently that like, by the time you get to the last fifth of the novel, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it makes you yearn for the days <laughs> of the early half of the novel. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that Mark Cirsini does very well, I think is spe- when he does these cutaways. Yeah. Uh, is even when the novel gets rushed towards the end. Well, actually, no, not even when it gets, excuse the last fifth. I'm talking about everything other than the last. Fair. Bit. Okay. Usually, even if it's just a paragraph or two, Usually he tries to give just like a base level characterization to these other characters we're jumping to. Yeah. And the reason why the sub and the jet scene are both work, they both work the exact same for the exact same reason. Yeah. Is because especially in the Russian sequence, like he takes like time four paragraphs yeah. to it, it introduce these characters that are going to die. Like they're not characters yeah. that are going to survive this event. But he takes the time just to give the general, like you said, we know the captain wants to go back home to Russia. We know that he's been home. He's been away from home for a long time. Watching we know these. that he's tired and he's writing up yeah. these reports. He's, you know, like we have him rubbing his eyes and like, OK. And you have this shift from this passive like, OK, well, we're done yep. to problem. OK, we need to react. We, and there is a military precision to his writing. Yep. I don't know if this guy's a military brat or anything, but the way he <laughs> describes it and the like, the rhythm he's of very good at writing. Boom, that boom, stuff. boom. Go yeah. here, do this, do this, and there's yep. emotion and a, a kinetic approach to the storytelling in that yep. that builds up in a and way he, that doesn't feel like you know. I mean, like you start with the same kind of vibe with um, uh, Island Seven Thirty One, right? It's like, oh, look, it's a guy on a, he was in a boat and his back got broken and he's been floating in the sea. And oh no, and seagulls picking at his legs and ripping his tendons out. Oh, it's so dark and grim. Uh, and well, we that, don't know anything about that guy. No, we don't know anything. And it, it's yeah. so it doesn't land. Yep. And so this, this, this building of tension in this dread just feels so good. Yep. Just nails it. It's just like, wow, what a, what a great, well-crafted sequence. And it's the same for the jet sequence because we get the moment with all the pilots getting into their jets. Yes. We learn about the character that we're following while they're in their jets. Yeah. They're not main characters, but we get those little bitty character moments. We get them their funny like pilot banter between each other. Yeah. All being like super confident because oh, it's just a giant lizard. Like what the hell? <laughs> like we're gonna kill this thing. And then we get the turn whenever Godzilla almost hits the guy yeah. and it's Whoa, automatically uh-oh. like, uh oh, this is not a joke. Yeah. And I think that only works because he took the time in those, like, once again, it, it only asides. took, like, two, yeah. those two or three paragraphs just to give us a second with this character to give us that moment and make make it matter. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's 100% where his writing has its strengths in this entire book. And yeah. I think, segueing to my favorite moments, um, I mean, okay. I, I told Rob, I was like, it's hard for me to pick a favorite moment because there's a lot of, there's a lot of little tiny moments that I just absolutely love. 
Um, like for instance, one of the one of the ones that's just like it's not my favorite moment. It's always struck me is when he attacks the 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 shipping freighter with all the TVs inside and his the heat from his uh, radiation causes all the cathode ray tube TVs to explode inside of the, yeah. the cargo hold. Like that is such a, like I can visually once again I'm imagining this is a movie. Visually, I can see cutting into the into the the freaking hold and just seeing all these TVs just start exploding as the hole melts around. Yeah, like the TVs exploding. Like that is such a cool visual. Um, he he has a very very good way. Uh, and once again, I I like the Nemesis series more than you, but I do think that this novel, like Mark Cerasini, knows how to write like violent stuff without it coming off like. Super over the top violent. Yeah, like this is a PG thirteen novel very much. Like, for instance, in that same sequence when Godzilla uses his breath on that freighter, like he talks about the flesh melting from the dude's yeah. like face and stuff like that. But it doesn't come off as gruesome. It comes off as just like that's intense kind yeah. of instead. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't come off as like well, it's oh, and and it's also eyes pop. It's also like, it's no, it's no, a no, one it's time not. it's a one time thing, right? Yeah. So like it's a it's like horrifying, but it's not overplayed and it's not in yeah. a way where it feels like the writer himself is getting off on uh, a particular <laughs> on, description. On yeah. Yeah, like where it's like, you know, the writer's imagining someone that he doesn't like is the person that's dying yeah. right now, you know. So, uh, yeah. My point is is there's a lot of little moments like that that I really appreciate in this novel. Very much so. Um but I do have to give two a special shout out to two specific sequences. And one of them is the the Navy attack, the first attack that we get against Godzilla, because I think it's expertly paced. Like it, it like with your jet sequence as well as the actual when the Navy starts getting involved and we're following that because he does something very smart. We follow one admiral on one boat describing what he is seeing from his one boat as the other Navy ships are trying to surround Godzilla and fight. And he's watching as his friends on the other ships are getting killed in the sequence until his boat eventually gets taken out. And it's this great, like, I just feel like it's just so expertly paced. Like, I just think it's such a great, um, you know, we talk about boots on the round all the time. And I think it's very much that like, if, if this was a movie, like imagine that, from inside his bridge, just looking out and seeing the events that are happening around him until Godzilla attacks his vessel and takes out his vessel like that. And that's how it's written in the book. So it's not hard to imagine, but it's just like, that is so intense. That makes it so personable. And that carries over to Brian with the harpoon because we're immediately with Brian on the, on the deck of the ship watching, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the the dude, the bald dude, get taken out by the helicopter. Like, also in a very PG thirteen way, not like going explicitly into yeah, the violence, yeah. but like very just like he disappears into a spray of red mist. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's absolutely that would absolutely happen in a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, like, that's what well. I mean. That's what would happen. <laughs> There'd we probably see, be a big fireball. You wouldn't see yeah, the, the mist. Well, well no, we, we, we <laughs> would yeah. cut to like we would cut to like a wall with like the oh. mist. You know what I mean? 
Uh, but anyway, but but anyway, so yeah. but it's but it's very personable, and like you can really feel like uh, this. This is why this book. What, once again, I'm gonna get to that towards the end. But like when I was imagining this as a film, I always imagined like that camera just following Brian as he's like going down to the harpoon and staying really close to him and looking up, and Godzilla's like so close you can't even see the full thing of him. Not because we're trying to hide him, but just because. It's you're right up on it. Yeah, you're up on Brian's shoulder. You're not, you know, you're not up with Godzilla. I don't know the the way that he describes that stuff in that sequence is just so visceral, and so like I can just see it happening in my head, and that is always one of the things that I look for in a writer that I really appreciate. Um, you know, like Michael Crichton was amazing at that. Like he he would just paint you a picture in your head. You knew exactly what you were seeing. There wasn't any question. And I think that's one of the best things, the, why he stands out. Um, you know, Tolkien, for all his, like, over-describing, he does the same thing, though. Like, you know what you're seeing because he is over-describing it. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but I get it, though. Like, I do get it, you know? Like, I'm not yeah. sitting here trying to no, come up I, with yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, then, and, and, but anyway, to continue to my other favorite moment um, is definitely the bridge sequence, uh, specifically because... Um, the image of, so you, you actually brought it up funny enough without intending to, of the Godzilla suits catching on fire. Um, and, uh, I think the book pays tribute to that in such a cool way with them deciding to try and use napalm on Godzilla, which we've never seen before in any Godzilla movie. And it's such a fascinating idea <laughs> because if you really think about it, once again, we're, we, we established earlier in the novel that Godzilla heals yeah. in microseconds. And so missiles and tank shells and whatever are not going to outheal him. Well, what could outheal him is damage over time, yeah. aka burning him alive. <laughs> and the idea of Godzilla just on fire and like his once again, this we also established that this Godzilla does react to the injury yes. that he's being dealt with. Like, so him burning and just, like, screaming in pain and, like, the idea of – in my head, I always picture – we talked about it when we did G85. The it, it specifically, specifically only to G85 when Godzilla falls into the volcano and it's that roar that he gives that's so painful and, like, hauntingly, like – and it's only in the American cut. Like, I imagine this Godzilla giving that as he's burning alive and it just gives – like, it – gives me the shivers like it gives me the like emotional shivers of just like that's horrifying like we're not actually supposed to be rooting for godzilla in this book like he's definitely a villain godzilla in this but like but still it's he's just yeah. an animal he's yeah. just an animal that's on fire and burning alive like that's horrifying and then i love the instant moment of just him just like destroying the bridge killing everybody on it destroying all the navy vessels and just leaving and just being like nope <laughs> this sucks. I hate this. I hate everyone here. You guys You're aren't all... playing fair anymore. <laughs> You're all dead. Get out I'm of my taking way. My toys. I'm going home. <laughs> um, but that segues into my least favorite. Okay. Because obviously, and and I and I I I know you're probably gonna pick specifics in the sequence, but I have to say, the entire Tokyo sequence needs to be rewritten. Yes. It, yeah. The whole thing needs to be thrown out. hundred percent. I, I feel bad that I disliked it so much, but I, as much as I loved 
the Russian sequence and how a Russian subsequence and how well crafted every yep. every sentence hung on every other sentence. By the time you get to the last fifth of this book, yeah, it fell apart entirely to to, to the point where it felt like uh, uh, I, oh. I don't know. I live, and then this scene happens, and I don't know. And then this this happens, I, and then I they did, do this. I didn't even reread the last part this time. I mean, I've read this. <laughs> I've read this book like 30, 40 times at this point. Like, I, I when I got to it, I was like, I tried, and I was like, nope. I know enough <laughs> to talk about it. I'm not rereading this because it's it's. It's a mess. And once again, none of the other three novels, even the third one, which is the worst of the, the four. Yeah. None of them have this problem in the last fifth. It's only this book. And it's okay. so wild. And I think that's what makes me dislike it so much is it's like it, it, it falls apart on multiple levels. Number one, it makes the weirdest like, OK, the rest of the novel picks and chooses scenes from the Heisei Godzilla as well as G54 and uses them as a starting point to move into what it wants to do in the novel. The last fifth of this book in Tokyo is just like, let's just do G54 again (laughs) without any changes, without any, like anything like new. It's just like, Oh, he goes through the high tension wires. Oh, he attacks Tokyo tire wire. Yeah. And it's it's very just like by the numbers, which makes the tension of the characters not make any sense and not have no. any weight. Because them. well, because then they're fully out of the equation. Right. Yeah. The only thing that needs to happen is that two old men need to get into an airplane and turn on a, a beacon. And in the time it takes them to walk to the airplane and turn the airplane on and start flying towards Godzilla. So much so much nonsense happens with like cool, like truck driving and like saving people. And I've got to save the damsel in distress and I'm going to go climb this thing up and we're going to get a film crew together and we got to do this. And we got, and then, sorry, yeah. I don't mean to, because no. I'm in the, no. I, I, the same boat, same exact boat. A hundred percent. And like, then it's... the ending, it feels like such a wet fart. It's and then the epilogue, the epilogue is a triple wet fart. The the ending has, and, and this is the worst part. It has the Hollywood ending to it, where it's like everything's got to be happy. Oh, I he know. saves the damsel in distress. Oh, I... like they lure Godzilla away. Oh, Yoshi survived. Oh, the like end. he's here to do the thing. Like it's just it's so, <laughs> like it's so back to back to back to back with like convenient, like literally happy sentences. Things it's it's over the course yeah. of sentences it's, that these sentences. major things happen. That's my problem with the whole last arc no, is it's like for sure. the cadmium missiles will be the thing that's it. Nope. The cadmium didn't work. The like this, we're going to try this. Boom. And the high attention one. Boom. There, and, and then basically yeah. every single thing is just like a thing that happened in another Godzilla movie. But also we only have half a page to talk about it before we say it actually doesn't and, work. And once again, I have to stress, this is only a problem in this first novel. It does not carry into the others. The others have their own identity. Well, that's why to me, like, it's just so weird. It's, it's so odd. And, 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 and I'll, I'll tell this little bit of the story and then I'll get to like, I guess my fan fiction at the end. Oh, I see. uh, Once you tell yours, but uh, your least favorite and stuff. But, um, so I did not read this novel first for context. Um, okay. When, when I was younger, before I met Julio, 
uh-huh. to, to put this into context, I found the second novel, Godzilla 2000, at a Barnes & Noble. And I was like, they made a Godzilla novel? And I was like <laughs> blown away. And I bought the novel and I read the hell out of it. And I read it over and over and over again. I was like, this is amazing. And I had no idea this was part of a series. Zero clue that this was the first there, – there was a novel before this, uh, the one I was reading. And then I found out – and then I, I, I knew there was a third, but I could never find it. But I found the fourth novel, which is Godzilla and the Robot Monsters. And I read the fourth novel to he- to all to hell. And I was like, this is amazing. This is great. This is good. And then I met Julio, and Julio owned the first novel. And Julio was like, oh, you didn't know that it was a sequel? And I was like, <laughs> No. And so I read this after I had gotten hyped up by the series and I went Mm. back to the first and I always had that kind of that same feeling that we are, we're talking about right now where I got to the last fifth and I was like, that's not, it's not the same level as any of the other stuff I read. Like, it's just not something feels rushed. And like I was saying, like, I I have a feeling that because it was like a, a novel for random house and it was the first Godzilla novel and it was probably like, we don't know how well this is going to do. You know, I have a feeling he was told like it was halfway through writing the manuscript of the book. And then was like, they were told like, Oh, by the way, you only have 200. What is it? Two thirty, two thirty three. You have two thirty three, And he's like, well, I've already paged one fifty seven, and I haven't even gotten to the like second act yet. <laughs> it, it honestly, to me felt like he kind of had like, the end of his book written like five chapters early. (laughs) It was like, yeah, then they fly, they fly the thing and like, or like, you know, like it's just, it's creating the device. They get in the airplane, they go away. And then he was like, Oh, what is Brian and Nick doing during all this? What about Yoshi? (laughs) I should probably. And then like, he frantically just started adding things and just shoving random elements together to flesh out into the proper novel length. I, yeah. I so I have the opposite belief. I think he ended it too early and then realized he had to fill like an extra 25, 50 pages <laughs> and then went, uh, I don't know, and blah, 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 and just threw things in to like flesh it out because it, it no, feels no matter so what, haphazard. So yeah, I think, haphazard. I think we just we, we can both agree whether, whether which way it went. Yes. Something happened to 100%. To I impact this book for yeah. sure, something happened to impact the full, the full like you know <laughs> impact of this book. Um, and once again, like I, I uh, by the way, I just want to also state, I know I keep teasing it, I don't plan on putting a big gap between this and the rest of the franchise. I plan on us trying to hit these pretty okay. quickly, just because I think I think you know it's good to read them as a series, and I think Fair. I think you're really going to enjoy them as we yeah, go along. I, honestly, um, if if the rest of the book series can be as good as like the first three fifths of this book, mm-hmm. uh, I I think I'd be uh, fully on, fully on board. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that ending, and honestly, for me, uh, my least favorite moment is the epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while I hate the rest of the ending. The whole big final climactic moment is one sentence where the characters, the two old men get in their airplane and they're like, it's the Bushido code. And then they fly their airplane away. And then it's like Godzilla left and everyone goes. And then it says epilogue. The plane crashed into the ocean and then the probe sunk down and it'll keep playing for its tune for months. The end. And I was like, wait a minute. 
like crashing into the ocean, like a controlled crash in like a, a little prop plane, they didn't die when they hit the water. They're still out there. They're like slowly going to die. What, yep. what was the plan here? Wait, it's not like they had to crash into something. Like usually it's like, you know, like Independence Day, like I'm back and they crash into Godzilla or something. No, they just gently landed a plane. Now get me wrong. There's not such thing as gently landing a plane in choppy ocean waters. Sure. But like it's not a death sentence immediately. Chances are you're going to survive, be horribly injured, and then sharks are going to slowly eat you like a dollar's eyes. So like, <laughs> it's not like a, like every, it's like they just try and wrap everything up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is happy. This is happy. This is happy. This is happy. And then the plane crashed the end. And it's just to wrap that up in an epilogue that takes like two seconds. Don't even show it. Don't even show it. Don't even say it. Just say that the the oh, probe boy. sunk deep into the Marianas Trench. You know, don't even t- say, <laughs> just ignore the plot hole that you created. Or at the very least, I don't know, man, like they, the uh, rescue teams couldn't find them. Something. Say something. Anything. Or like they said, uh, uh, we put this section of the ocean off limits. Like, don't come out here because it may awaken and annoy Godzilla so like you know we're we're bound to die out here, but we're we're brave men, you know. I just I think that like just like trying to wrap up everything. Yoshi was alive and well, everyone's happy. And Nick got his girl went waifu back and everything's good. Yeah. And then those two old men died off camera. I guess it just feels so like I like I just got to get through this. Whatever, got it in the book and like yeah, whatever. So- and they just. Threw the manuscript at his producer and said, I don't know, print it. I don't care. So funny enough, I guess that's a great segue to, I guess, my fan fiction slash what I what <laughs> I wanted to do uh, when I was developing this as a script for the longest time. Um, so um, I, I, I did this with Coleman a lot. Coleman and I really developed this together for a long time. I also did this a lot in high school. Uh, but I, I, I there there was there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to use this as a starting off point for whatever Godzilla franchise I created, because I was like, I think that this has the, 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 the skeleton of a great like Godzilla story. And I think it has a skeleton of a great Godzilla movie, uh, an Americanized Godzilla film is what I would say. Obviously this was way back when this was before the MonsterVerse. any influence on what they've done was not there. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of changes uh, that I worked on over time with Coleman and Julio and just over time. And, uh, and I wanted to share them because I think with this novel and you just having read it, I think you can appreciate some of the changes that I wanted to make. Okay. Uh, so number one, uh, as much as I love the attack on the TVs uh, or the TV shipment uh, ship. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to remove that. Yeah. Move the Russian sub sequence to that. So basically remove that sequence with the TV sequence, move the Russian sub sequence to there. The reason why is because I wanted to do, um, uh, and I know it's kind of stereotypical, but I wanted to do a kind of a smash cut kind of sequence to start the film. Okay. Uh, And what I wanted to do was I wanted to start the film with Godzilla's regeneration. Um, So what I wanted to do is, we, we, we follow a ship dumping nuclear waste into the Pacific. Yeah. 
we follow the container that's leaking radiation down to the bottom of the ocean. We swoop down. We've passed Sarazawa's uh, corpse uh, inside <laughs> of his diving bell. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we come upon Godzilla's skeleton, and it starts to regener- regenerate. Like we see oh. the muscles, the muscle sinews start growing back yeah. over the skeleton. Like we close on Godzilla's eye reforming. And then we do a smash cut to Brian waking up on the plane, just like it does in the book. So oh, I see. is it, a, is it Brian just imagining things, whatever? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I wanted to introduce something that this book kind of touches on, but I don't think it went far enough. Um, there's this kind of idea that this novel kind of touches on where the, so the Godzilla attack happened. We find out the casualties. We find out everything that happened. But they also talk about a little bit about the commercialization of Godzilla post the attack. Like we talk, King of the Monsters happens in this universe, right? There's a movie made about Stephen Martin's book. Yeah. That's like cheesy men in suits, Godzilla. Yeah. About the original attack. So I wanted to take that idea to a, to an extreme, and I wanted to go. Make this make the movie more about the forgetting of the past. Like people, when we have these big disasters, uh, you know, like nine eleven, yeah, so on and so forth. We we all are like, you know, oh, remember nine eleven, blah blah blah, for a few years, yeah. And then a few years later, there's movies made about it. There's you know exploitation of the event. Uh, politicians use it for their example as, as well. Mm. Uh, you know, using, using the event as like something to prop themselves up on. Um, and so I was like, what if Toho never left the Showa era? What if they exploited it with G uh, King of the monsters, just like in the novel, but we just never left it. So like we literally have Brian arriving in the airport and having like, merchandise of Godzilla being sold at the Toho uh, at the airport at the the Tokyo airport like toys and like come do the Godzilla tour of where Godzilla attacked Tokyo like like basically just people trying to sell the the experience of where Godzilla stomped around Tokyo Um, and having that be like kind of this impact of like so we're exploiting the past and also kind of forgetting about the impact of like Godzilla killed like 200,000 people when he attacked Tokyo. Like, how is that something you can just shrug off? Like, you know what I mean? Like why? Like, you know, and it, at this point it's 1996. So it's year, you know, that many years later. But yeah, like the general populace wouldn't be thinking about Godzilla's destruction until he reappears. You know, and it, for you know, it'd just be like a background thing, just like, oh, the Vietnam War. Yeah. A lot of soldiers died. We don't think about that as a day-to-day basis. Um, so I used that as kind of a jumping-off point of kind of adjusting the script a little bit. I was like, okay, or, or adjusting the novel. I was like, okay, let's use that and kind of like use that as a as as a kind of a moral of the story, which Godzilla always has to have a moral of the story. In any good Godzilla movie, there's a good moral of the story. You know, pollution is bad, whatever. Um, so don't forget your past. And so, uh, and it kind of works with Brian's story in that way because Brian, you know, he's he's got the tragic past with his mother. He's got the tragic, you know, and his uncle also not going to the funeral. You have that there. And so I was like, okay, so we kind of just weave that in. Um, I didn't really cut out too, too much. Like I still kept the, the goofy scene of them at the Hard Rock Cafe because I think it was kind of as bad as it is and goofy as it is. Like maybe it needs to be adjusted a little bit, but I think like, 
it's still kind of a funny sequence to kind of get you to know the characters. Um, so once again, I moved the subsequence to there to after the Hard Rock Cafe. So the subsequence happens there. Um, and the movie kind of continues from there as normal, as normal. Uh, with the exception of um, an added sequence that I really wanted to do, once again, because I added the idea of uh, Don't Forget Your Past, uh, I wanted to add in an Odo Island sequence because it seemed weird that with all this book's like remembering back to G54, we didn't go back to Odo Island. They mentioned it once. Um, so I had a sequence where we meet up with, uh, do you remember, uh, remember uh, Yamane's uh, adopted son? Yes. Yeah. The, guy, the kid that survived the attack on yeah. Odo Island. Um, so we meet up with him back on Odo Island now 30 years later as an old man living in like the, his old family house on the top of a hill at Odo Island. And we kind of have this kind of like really interesting moment of like him looking down at the at Odo Island now. And it's kind of like you can see the division of uh, modern Japan, 90s Japan and 1950s, you know, Odo Island, what we saw. So like the buildings that have been restored, so on and so forth. Um, and Godzilla attacks. We have, we have a moment where it's, it's basically where he's in his, he gets is in his home. He wakes up, there's a storm. The, he feels the vibrations of Godzilla approaching. He opens his door. You see a quick lightning flash silhouette of Godzilla in the bay approaching Oto Island. Um, so it's another, it's, it's another like inciting incident. And what I, what I was doing essentially there specifically was replacing the fairy sequence with that sequence. So instead of the weird random fairy attack, we have Godzilla attacking Odo Island again to yeah. be the revelation to the world that he's back. Yeah. Like tying it back a, to. Yeah. Yeah. He's attacked a city, essentially a town. Um, then we have everything stay the same pretty much in the sequence and the boat. We have uh, we, we go back, you know, we go back to Japan as, as he makes landfall. Uh, I slightly changed his landfall to be Hiroshima instead of where he makes landfall in the book, just because in the novel they say he could make landfall in Hiroshima, and I thought it would be more impactful if he made his landfall in Hiroshima instead of the random lighthouse, um, just for the implications of nucle- nuclear weapons and all that stuff. Uh, we continue on. Don't change anything, uh, pretty much. Uh, the missile attack sequence, I... I, I, I flubbed with that one a long time of keeping it or throwing it away. Uh, cause I think it's kind of a pointless action scene. Like it doesn't really do anything for any of the characters. Um, so I, it I, I would th- look cool. It would look cool, but it also doesn't really do anything. So yeah. I think at the end I scrapped it. Uh, I did slightly change the bridge attack sequence just because, uh, what I wanted to happen is, um, that to be the first instance of Godzilla's theme playing where he gets the napalm on him. He disappears under the waves under the water to put out the flames. And then we, when he reappears at the bridge, the Godzilla theme plays It's all dramatic flips, the bridge kills all the military goes to the water. Now here we are Tokyo sequence. Here's what I changed. I changed a lot. So first of all, you just deleted it. The movie ends. the credits start to roll. All right, so Tokyo sequence. Here's what I changed. So first things first, um, Brian and Nick only leave after Godzilla shows up. So basically what happens is they go back to their apartment upset about getting dismissed. They go to their roof 
to kind of talk to each other. And we established earlier in the film that they can go up to the roof. So they go up to the roof. They're looking out on what they can see of Tokyo. All of a sudden, they hear Godzilla's roar. No warning. No anything. No Godzilla's approaching. No anything like that. You hear Godzilla's roar. They look upon the city and they see a rolling blackout as Godzilla has has arrived. And we cut to the military trying to defend against Godzilla where he has already broken through the electric wires that are around Tokyo. We don't show him redoing it. We just show him already have broken through it and already decimated it, which has caused Tokyo to now be under a complete blackout, which also changes the entire tone of the entire Tokyo sequence because now there's no lights. Now all we're seeing is the light from the flames of what Godzilla has destroyed. We're back to like basically black and white, essentially, to kind of reference G54 without trying to be G54. We're just making it feel like G54. We're now boots on the ground with Nick and Brian trying to get that story while Godzilla is attacking in a complete blackout. Godzilla now does do the Tokyo uh, Tokyo Tower sequence, except, here's the thing, we don't find out Yoshi's still alive till the after credit scene. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. So, of course, yes, the Nobuyama and, and uh, Uncle Maxwell still come up with their plan to lure Godzilla away at the plane. Perfect. That's great. G85 re- reference. I love it. Here's the thing. It's not going to fucking work. We're going to turn that on its head. So Nick and Brian make it back to INN. It's destroyed. May is trapped in the elevator. Nick goes to try and save her. He gets there. He tries to save her. She's already gone. He can't save her. She's already dead. It's a love lost now. He, he, you know, he, he pushed her away and now she's gone. This ties into a characterization for Nick that actually does appear in the novels, but it doesn't get explained in the later novels, where he's a little bit more of a hardened character next time we meet him. So here we're establishing, oh, he couldn't make it back in time. He couldn't save his girl. He couldn't save the, the person he loved. We see the plane show up. Everybody's excited. Brian, having read the note, he's, he's, a, he's, he's excited. He's like, yes, they're going to lure Godzilla away. Here's the thing. They didn't account for the thing that we all know about Godzilla. Godzilla is pissed at all times. They activate the beacon. Godzilla turns his head towards the beacon. Looks like he's going to follow it for a split second. You see the blue flash of his beam light up. Plane gets destroyed instantly. The crew watches as the plane crashes into Tokyo as Godzilla roars triumphantly. We end with Nick giving the ex- or Brian giving the exact same speech that's in the novel, except for the knowledge that Godzilla is not leaving. Godzilla does not leave Tokyo. This is his territory now. This is where Godzilla lives. Once again, honestly, the exact wording that's in the novel, I didn't have to change it at all. I just changed the fact that the ship gets destroyed, which therefore makes the epilogue never happen because Godzilla stays. That's fair. Godzilla stays in Tokyo, which has never happened in a Godzilla movie before. We've always had that triumphant shot of Godzilla leaving or Godzilla being lured away. No, we're leaving Godzilla in Tokyo. What's that going to mean for the rest of the franchise? I don't know. That's pretty intense. (laughs) Cut to the after credit scene where we get a moment with Yoshi still alive in the center of Tokyo. Now a zone that uh, has been designated as 
evacuate. Everybody has to leave. Godzilla is just hanging out in Tokyo. You can't live there. It's radioactive. Yoshi is now living in Tokyo, reporting and recording on his camera from inside of Tokyo, sending the trying to send the footage out, but he can't get it out. We then get our first tease of what's to come in the next sequel, where we see a small moth that looks like Mothra float by as Yoshi records his last final footage in Tokyo to tease towards the sequel. End movie! Leading to Godzilla 2000! That's my movie! Oh yeah! (laughs) Wow, okay. Yeah, no, I like... I like... uh... (laughs) I like, uh, yeah, I like that change with like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I just, uh, once again, the biggest thing for me with the Tokyo sequence, when I, when I was looking at it, when I was coming up with like trying to write it was like, it's so broken in this novel, but I was like, why is it broken? And like I said earlier, the reason why it's broken is because it tries to just be G54 again. Yeah. Where it's like, no, 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 no. You're not trying to be G54. You're trying to replicate G54. You're trying to give that same emotion that G54 gave, that <clears throat> terror, that, that like it's at night. There's no lights. Like Tokyo yeah. is a dark city. Like it's there's no all you're getting is the light from the fire and light from your car. Like and, yeah. and Nick and Nick and Brian are driving around in this dark yeah. You know, like city, like how scary is that? And then those moments where Godzilla does interact with them are even scarier because like they can't see him coming. They can yeah. hear him. But like, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, like, uh, you know, it's like, wh- yeah. how are you going to escape? Well, I, think, uh, I was watching a video today that was actually literally just released like uh, yesterday uh, by a YouTuber called Sophie from Mars who uh, uh, made like a case about like kaiju and other colossal like monsters representing something that we can't change that we can't like redirect. It's something that's bigger and more like it, it's beyond us. It's beyond our understanding. Yes. Um. Like, you know, it, it like the argument that like Godzilla isn't just like a representation of like nukes. It's a representation of the mechanical cruelty of like the decision to yes. make launch and utilize the nukes like it it, like you know godzilla is he is magnitudes he is not just like a representation of a bomb he's representation of everything leading up to and surrounding like Mm -hmm. the bomb um once again i don't i didn't say it out loud but i don't know if you noticed but once again i talked about can't forget your past that's the whole point of the story yeah godzilla not leaving at the end is the point you're never gonna forget it Godzilla lives in Tokyo now. Yeah. There is no forgetting the the the, the cause the this disaster that he caused. He's just, he, it's his territory. What are you like what are you going to do? How are yeah. you going to how are you going to forget that? You can't forget that a giant monster is now living inside Tokyo. <laughs> fair. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, very fair, very true. <laughs> Um, but once again, obviously this was all just me coming up with an idea of what I wanted to direct. Maybe, you know, if, if, you know, if the world became in a magical place and I somehow directed (laughs) it, people are going to come back to this episode and be like, I know the plot, but, um, yeah, that's obviously never going to happen. But, uh, there I have, I have stories like that for every single one of these books because I, I literally planned out what I would change and how I would change it for every single one of these, including the hypothetical fifth novel uh, that uh, did get written but can never be released uh, because, because uh, once again, Random House went out of business. So therefore, Mark Saracini has the full completed novel 
but uh, cannot do anything with it because technically it's contractually written under Random House's rights. Uh... So <laughs> we have cover art. We have, hey, we, have Bob Eggle, we have Bob Eggleton cover art for Godzilla and the Lost Continent, but uh, we don't have oh. uh, we so don't have he any fights Kong. So supposedly he was going to fight Space Godzilla, oh. but that's, that's, a, that's a tease. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, all right. So obviously the reason why I put that that section there. We can't talk about onomatopoeias. We can't talk about special effects. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've kind of already covered most of the big action moments and big moments we wanted to talk about. So I yeah. was like, all right, I'll spend I'll spend some time just reminiscing about my old script and what that's <laughs> like. Um, but now we are here at yeah. final thoughts for this novel. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. I feel like I, I kind of teased it we, throughout. I think we both did. <laughs> we've dropped, we've <laughs> dropped multiple times. We've had to stop and be like, eh, that's final thoughts. Uh, more so than any other episode. Um, I think that this book starts off really, really strong. I think that it kind of like loses its steam towards the middle, then picks steam back up and then go comes crashing down wildly in the, the last. And I, I, I'm I'm like teetering between saying the last fourth and the last fifth of the book. The last fifth is more accurate, but it's it's already starting. Like well, me, the downfall, the downfall when, is when, <laughs> bo- boiling up. <laughs> you know? when, do, when does the Tokyo sequence start? Hold on, let me. Let me I see. wish I could. Yeah, because let it me, feels let me see. like, and it's possible that it just feels like it lasts for more than like it actually is. But it felt like I was just like reading and like every like page it's just like how is this still happening how is this not the end yet um okay so the entire tokyo sequence yeah (laughs) oh my god less 30 pages 30 pages out of 233 okay so pretty close to fifth final act of this book takes place in 30 pages oh yeah (sighs) Um, it, it, it feels like more than 30 pages because yeah. of how just like uh, un, unfocused it is. And like, unfortunately that like, doesn't like it, you know, obviously it doesn't detract from like the good, the high points of the novel, but it leaves such a bitter taste in my mouth of like, man, what happened? You were doing so it's, good. You could have wrapped this up. Just keep It's, it's that simplify. almost there. It's that yeah. almost there feeling, right? It's like, Oh, you were. You're this close. Almost had it. You're uh, this close. <laughs> uh, that being said, I I did like this novel. I would reread this. I would reread like I want to read the rest of the series uh, because of how good that first chunk is. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's clear that like there's a writing style here that is fun and well crafted and entertaining to absorb. Uh, in a way, like I, you know, like I I now like. You know, when I read Project Nemesis, I feel like dirty and gross. <laughs> this, this, I felt like, whoa, whoa, okay, cool. This is fun. Uh, I was really like enthralled with it, uh, especially like in certain moments, I was like really, really captivated by the story. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, like the last 30 pages, I was just like, okay, okay, oh my God, you know, and that yeah. made it feel because it was such a slog to get through. I honestly, that's why I said like, oh yeah, I think it might be a fourth of the novel when I first said it. And then I thought about more and I was like, no, there was way more beforehand. So it must be like only a fifth. And it's like just under a fifth of the novel. Yeah. 
but it feels feels like it goes on for so long it does um and it just like it it because it's like it doesn't fire on any cylinders like the fact that you skid out to the end the the ending's a wash anyway you just need to all the characters survive so you could really just like once you get to the tokyo attack like flip to the last page and just read that and that's really all that happens because ultimately the main point is that we're supposed to try and do 1984 uh, 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 85 again or 84 whatever yeah uh, and like that's it that's the end goal of the movie but we take two million detours to get to it and it's so such a loud buzzing open wound that I can't look at anything else on the book yeah that said, I can still look at the rest of the book and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's this book is very uneven, yeah. but it's very fun, even though it's uneven. I think. And, and once again, I, I mean, you know, even though like <laughs> it's length, maybe like maybe it needed that extra, like being 300 pages instead of 230. But like. It's a very brisk read. And because of that, it, when it is fun, those fun moments do stand out more for me than the ending, even though the ending is really, really bad. And like when like once again, like when I was talking with Coleman and and, and coming up with my script idea for it, uh, uh, Coleman and Julio, both we both knew we all knew the ending had to be fixed. We were like, what? How do we fix it? How do we how do we change like, because the ending, number one, it's just G85 again. Number two, it's G85, but worse. Number three, it's also the Dark Horse comic ending of the first, uh, the issue zero that we yeah. literally just covered. <laughs> like, it, it, there was just so many levels of, like, it not being great. And I, and I, you know, the thing is, though, is that when I look back at this novel and rereading this novel as much as I have, regardless of you know me wanting to make a movie based on it or whatever i still look at this novel and think fondly of it i think that there's a lot of good there's a lot of great characterization for godzilla like a lot of great characterization for godzilla (laughs) i think that uh the action sequences even though they definitely feel a little too back to back to back to back towards the end of this novel i think that they're all very well crafted i think that they're all they all have a lot of good tension in them like uh, even the missile attack, which I know we were very dismissive of, like I think does have a lot of great tension while they're trying to avoid the missiles, like when they're just on the ground and Godzilla's being attacked. I think that it's a good, it, it does have a very good boots on the ground moment with with the characters. Yeah. And I think I think that once again, as you as you pointed out, like I don't know exactly Mark Cirasini's like military, like did he was he in the military or not? He knows how to write that kind of stuff. Like, there's a reason why his writing style is compared to Tom Clancy a lot uh, when it comes to the military stuff specifically. Um, and I think, I think, as as not as well executed as Tom Clancy's writing is, I think I do see the I do see why people would compare it. Um, and I think once again, carrying into Godzilla 2000, the next novel. Um, it's it's very very clear it's 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 even more clear than it is here um and i think i think the thing is is like i think he was able to stretch his skills a little bit more in the subsequent novels even even world's end which is not it's worse than this one for sure uh but um overall i really really love this novel i think 
it's once again, as, as we were talking about before we started recording, it's this weird, like, because it came out in the nineties and it's never gotten reprinted because the company that printed it is gone. Like it's this weird novel that like the people who know about it absolutely love it. And are like, (laughs) Oh my God, it's amazing. You have to read it. But the thing is, is like, it's so hard to find and it's so hard to like really track down and really, really read, Uh, you know, especially even with the next, the next three, like, it's like, it's such a good underseen Godzilla series that most people haven't read. Most people haven't seen it, Uh, which is exactly like I said, like, which is why, like, I don't want to like sleep on the next three. Like, I want to hit them pretty close to this Um, because I think I think I think not only will Rob really enjoy, especially the next novel, but uh, I think (laughs) I just think it's a lot of it's 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 an unseen part of the Godzilla fandom that a lot of people don't know about. And I think that's rare to find in the Godzilla fandom. <laughs> like, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think most people know about a lot of things, but some people might not know about this. And that's, that's really special and really hard to find. And, uh, if you can find this novel, uh, I'm not saying, you know, where it's easiest to find. Although I will say there are, uh, certain, uh, PDFs, maybe around online that I will say where to find, but I will say they do exist. Um, you may be able to track some of them down. Uh, the novel itself does vary in price on like resale. Uh, sometimes you can find, uh, when I bought my really good copy to replace the one that was falling apart because I've read it so much. Uh, I, I actually bought this for like 10 bucks. I found a, a, a reseller that was like, Oh, it's got some, damage to the corner in the back and i was like i don't care give it to me uh but uh i've also seen these all of these novels go for 40 bucks each 50 bucks each for a paperback so um i i I do recommend checking it out if you can if you can find it not be not pay out the butt for it i i recommend it um but uh it is a little hard these ones are a little hard to find i will say that um and once again, unfortunately, with them being paperback, there's not there's not an audiobook. There's not a you know some <laughs> the only PDF you'll find or, or like a digital book you'll find is people that have done it just taking it and scanning each page. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, take that as you will. Uh, but um, all right. So like I said, highly recommend this book, um, and I hope you enjoyed my story on what I would want to do with the Godzilla sequel if i could ever movie if i could ever direct it uh if you didn't enjoy it uh you can comment but i will ignore you and i will still do it when we do the next movies or next hey, books there you go uh but anyway so <clears throat> we are doing a fan month next month Yeehaw. so we have asked our 15 dollar patrons uh to come up with suggestions for wild they... list this year. <laughs> it's a wild We said it's... no Godzilla and they obliged in spades in the wildest way. <laughs> All great choices, wild choices. Yes. Um okay, so we okay, so here's the thing. We haven't put the vote out yet. There are still a couple of $15 patrons who have not responded. Uh, I sent you a message on Patreon. If you have not responded, you still can't, you still have time 
f- to send us a suggestion of your your vote. We will still throw it on the vote if you get to us before we post the vote. Uh, we plan on posting the vote kind of like right at the end of November is the intention. Um, so currently, though, uh, our fan month vote is between Atlantic Rim, Mad God, <laughs> Seventh Voids of Sinbad, Attack of the Crab Monsters, Monster Seafood War, and the submergent of Japan, aka Japan Sinks. Uh, now, obviously, that last one is a little controversial. I don't think most people will vote for it. But if you do, uh, I've heard from the patron who put it up that it is very similar in the sense of it kind of feels a little like the earthquake is chasing the characters in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, very twister, very on the fringe. But, uh, y- you know, it, c- it could technically count. Uh, also, we are feeling very lazy. We don't want to argue with people and try and get a second. There you go. Opinion. So, uh, <laughs> that will be our current vote for fan month. Uh, of course there is a second vote for fan month that will show up. That will be, uh, all of the podcast hosts, uh, 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 suggestions. Uh, and then you guys will vote on that as well. We don't have a full list yet. We're waiting for uh, a couple of people to give their their official submissions for that. But we will have that out roughly around the same time as the Patreon vote. Uh, so most likely the Patreon vote will be the first episode of the month. And then we will have the second episode of the month be the, uh, the host vote. Yep, and yep. then we have a Christmas special that's coming up Woo. that we won't announce what we're doing because it's 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 going to be crazy. Holiday special, baby. We got something real fun lined up for you. I finally think I've confirmed all of the guests. I need to double check. Uh, and then I need to I need to start emailing some people and then compiling some audio. Uh, oh, and not not to mention, I completely forgot to mention this. Don't forget, the first episode of December will be us covering the Netflix special, uh, Netflix right. original Troll. Uh, will be our first very episode true. of the month uh, that we found out last episode that will be Gosh, I releasing right away at the beginning of December. Uh, it's going to be our first episode, so we got a full epi- full full list of episodes for next month especially because we have Christmas and stuff that's going to make everything weird, but we have a holiday special, but that's what that's for. So, um, and then in January, as we just discussed, we will be probably doing an Ultraman month because we have Shin Ultraman releasing on January 11th and 12th. Uh, so look forward to that special report. That'll be a Rob Uh, month after that. And I get to pick some weird stuff for Rob month. Oh boy. (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, hope you enjoyed us talking about this episode. So what I'm going to do obviously is the bumps. So thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are awesome. Once again, if you have not checked your messages on Patreon, please do. Uh, there is a message of your shirt size as well as your vote for the, uh, patron vote. Uh, if I don't receive your shirt size, I'm going to send it to the last information that I have from last year. So if it goes to the wrong place, they're going to get a random shirt from us and they're going to be very confused and there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, So please, please, please check your Patreon messages. Um, If you are on our Discord, feel free to message me those shirt sizes and stuff on our Discord. I will take those as well. Uh, But for now, thank you to Behind the Mask 1313, Caleb Talley, David Noyes, Joe Jura, Jonathan BBQ Nerd, Joshua, Melissa Carter, Pilo, William Kelly, Big Odillo, Jag Butcher, Uis, uh, Nathan Towns, Nugget Coon 54, 
Solid Snake, William Kish, Cool Man Cottenham, Jake, uh, Jack Horowitz, Nicholas Whale, Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Joshua Lynch, and Oda. Thank you guys so, so much for uh, uh, supporting the cast. We really do appreciate it. Um, obviously, uh, as we've said in other episodes, uh, we do plan on going to the All Monsters Attack Convention next year in Chicago. Uh, so we will give you more details on how to meet up with us and what we will do. I guarantee you we will probably go get pizza again like we did last year or the last time we went to G-Fest because <laughs> that was a blast. Uh, we all had a we had a great time uh, all getting pizza together at that uh, that Chicago pizza place. Uh, so, uh, Rob, do you happen to have a thirteen seventy five since Cameron's not here? Oh man. Um. So yeah. Uh. For thirteen seventy five. Um. I'm just gonna rewrite the book. I'm just gonna. Honestly, I'm just gonna make my own fanfic, my own version. Your own script. Yeah. I'm gonna make my own uh, elevator pitch for my version of Godzilla Returns. Uh, uh, which should take about like know, five, 10 minutes, probably <laughs> it's, it's mostly going to be a bunch of really dumb jokes. And, uh, I'm really going to focus on one of the pilots. I'm probably just going to fo- like fixate in on just the, the guy who was quippy about his friend getting blasted into, uh, the outer space by a, uh, atomic blast. And he's like, well, that was crazy. There's going to be a bunch of that kind of stuff, but like horrifying murders happening, but like 90 <laughs> sitcom level reactions to the violence. Perfect. Perfect. 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. Uh, so find us on Facebook. Search Tokyo Lives. You'll find us on there. Uh, at Tokyo Lives Cast is our Twitter. We're super active. We post things all the time. Uh, check us out there. Uh, obviously, as long as Twitter survives, we'll come up with a different plan if Twitter dies. Tokyolivespodcast dot com is our website. Uh, check us out on there and on iTunes. Rob, have you checked to see if we have a new review? Can you do that really quick? Oh, I did. I was, I was checking already. Uh, okay, no, okay, nothing yet. All right. If you lose it, leave us a review on iTunes. We will read it out in the cast. We do really appreciate hearing that uh, from there because we do. It does like up us in the standings uh, on iTunes to yeah. get us seen by more people. So we really appreciate that. Um, but other than that, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed us talking about Godzilla Returns. Yeah. Um, like I said, look forward to hearing us talk about Godzilla 2000, the second book very soon sometime in the new year obviously mm-hmm. uh but other than that uh we'll see you guys in, in december for fan month Woo! bye, bye everybody everyone.